This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. ¿Qué tal amigos? Les habla el cero miedo de la lucha libre, Pentagon Junior, para mandar un saludo a todos mis amigos de este podcast, y ya saben, puro cero miedo. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling, with your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 222. My name is Nick Howell. And remember, kids, don't inject Kenny Omega into your veins hoping to cure anything. Yes, he's called the cleaner. But it doesn't work that way. I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and welcome to the show. This is Busted Wide Open. You're listening to the best wrestling podcast made by two fans sitting from the comfort of their apartments that you've ever heard in your entire life. And welcome. Thank you for joining us. As Nick said, if this is your first time, we do greatly appreciate you joining us. And if you are one of our legion of phenomenal ones, thank you guys for tuning back in and joining us. One more time. We have a lot to discuss today, Nick. It was a big week. Yes, thank you for not canceling your patronage after uh, Thursday's show. (laughs) Yes, if you were not aware, if you are a $10 patron or higher, you now can go hear part two of Nick booking 2019 all the way up to WrestleMania of 2020. It's uh, it's an experience Uh, as someone who is still (laughs) mentally recovering from it, uh, much in the way that some people recover from spending time and Panamanian prisons. I, I am. I am. I am just getting back on track right now, Nick. Still a little couple twitches under the eye, but I think I got this. But yeah, you can go check that out now if you are a patron. Or Nick, let's do some housekeeping and tell them where they can check us out everywhere else. Yes, come over to Facebook. Join us and the rest of the phenomenal ones in our discussion group. Like our page. Just search for Busted Wide Open on Facebook. You can find them both there. Uh, you can also follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. We stream live right here on YouTube every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern and every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern. It's YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. Make sure you subscribe and jingle that little notification bell so you get alerted anytime we do go live or put up new content. And last but certainly not least our patrons thank you very much to all of you for continuing to be patrons after hearing the full (laughs) monty of (laughs) nick booking uh for the last year uh i hope you guys enjoyed it It, there was a lot of work put into it i understand a lot of your your frustrations and uh we're going to address some of those at some point but we will uh we will go through that uh in our 
potentially in our patron mailbag episode that we're going to do right after this show today at about roughly 5 Eastern. As soon as we wrap this one up, we always go over and do our AMA mailbag with with questions from our patrons. But hey, if you want to get your questions in at the $5 tier over at patreon.com slash BWO, we answer them every single week for all it's to not hear. too late you could you could go by the time we're done with this show you could yep. go sign up on patreon get your question in and have it read on today's show yes you, you don't always, have time to listen to nick booking before you get to the <laughs> question though because it's almost <laughs> two hours long so i'm sorry no, i love 40. you guys i'm sorry uh-huh. i'm sorry yeah. Uh, last thing I want to throw out there is Discord. Uh, our Discord community is very rapidly growing. We love you guys. Thank you so much for making that uh, very exciting um, every single week, all throughout the week with all of the different shows. It's become one of my favorite parts of doing this show outside of actually doing the show here is participating in the, the weekly shows uh, on the Discord channel. If you guys have not found your way into that yet, uh, it is There is a link pinned to all of our social media profiles. It's in the description below here on YouTube. Or you can just pop in or, or send us a, a request, and you can find uh, the link to it right there. Uh, wow, kicking things off, Mr. Andy Jessup with 1999 yeah. Super Chat. Said that should cover the first hour of Ian's therapy bill after Thursday. Uh, I, I don't know what kind of Walmart therapist you're going to. I was about to, to say, what therapist bucks? are you going to, my friend? Uh, that might cover That's the first five minutes. Great value therapy. <laughs> and I'm going to need a lot more therapy than that after what I went through. But no we kidding. all went through it together, didn't we? All of you, all of us who are on the $10 or no, $5 tier. $10, 10. tier of Patreon. 10. 10. That's 10. 10. Uh, yes. Thank you very much, Andy. Very generous of you. I'm going to get back and look at those uh, the emojis you put in the chat, try to figure out what wrestlers you're talking about later. But I... I I'm doing a show, yeah. Uh, so I can't do it now. <laughs> Speaking of which, Nick, we got to get into that show. So let's yes. start off with All Elite Wrestling. I'm a little jealous. Cody has a gaming chair with his neck tattoo logo on it. <laughs> I want one. Like with my with the BWO logo on it. I want a BWO tattoo? Secret Labs. No! No, oh. not a... No, that's for Steven Larson because they lost at WrestleMania. Yeah, that's true. I want Secret Labs to make me a gaming chair with the busted wide open logo on it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I could use a new chair too. This yeah. is a this is a hand me down right here. But uh, yeah, that was <laughs> it was interesting. His his secret lair, his his Cody Palace, this row of monitors. What now we know Cody is the SmackDown hacker. Right. <laughs> Uh, so the show starts off with him there uh, giving a monologue about how important the TNT championship is, running down all of the competitors that are still left in the tournament. Uh, this was interesting. I got to say, Nick, uh, you know, Cody is still a hell of a promo. This one started to, to wander a little bit into Shatner territory Yeah, for me. I don't know if, that, if it did for you as well, but it was, it was, it was starting to get getting to that point where I just have to do things and... I'm going to face this person in this tournament. And, you know, at a certain point, I was like, okay, dial it back, Cody. You're getting a little bit mannered there, you know. Him and Adam Cole are starting to fall a little bit into their patterns of cutting promos. Like, Adam Cole keeps doing that all the time in his promos where he'll just... I I, I don't know what you think. You know, he keeps doing like the same kind of little mannerisms. Cody's doing the same thing. He's getting a little mannered, at least in this promo. So... It was still fine. It was still a good wrestling promo, but I'm getting to that point where I'm like, pull it back, Shatner. Come on. Yeah. 
I, listen, I'm never going to be mad at a well done video package. Right. Like, I, nice. I I enjoyed the hell out of this, just like I enjoyed that we had a bunch of video packages across all three shows that we're going to cover today that were all fantastic, and I enjoyed every single one of them. This one included. I loved the reference to. <laughs> to if Cody was the hacker on SmackDown and how that would tie back to what I was talking about in Nick Booking, ten dollars no, on Patreon. No, no, if you haven't done, seen it yet, we're done with Nick Booking. Let's get on to the reality here. Okay, Nick, yes. and that is that we're we're having the uh, TNT tournament. You're trying to throw me off my game. I can tell. We're having the TNT tournament going on on AEW. We had two more matches for that this week. The first one, Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allen. Which is becoming, actually, I like the fact that they're making this into, like, an ongoing beef between these two. Mm-hmm. Where like, they just, cats and dogs. Every time these two are around each other, they just, they just freaking hate each other. They just got, they have a hard on, a hate on for each other. Uh, and this match doesn't even get going before Guevara comes flying out of the ring onto Allen and just starts beating him up. And it's, it works in so many ways. Their characters are diametric opposites. They're both they're both willing to go out there and absolutely kill themselves in a match. Yeah, uh, this match didn't even get started, and Darby Allen got laid out on a ladder from the ring to the guardrail, and Sammy comes off with this absolutely bonkers crossbody onto this thing. I mean, it looked like a car wreck, Nick. This was a mess, but it was a beautiful, beautiful disaster. Fantastic. I loved every minute of this match. Uh, yeah, there, there wasn't much on AEW I didn't like this week, so spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> oh, great. Th- this was fantastic. I loved Cody's promo. I loved this match. Uh, I loved the next one we're going to talk about. Like these, This TNT tournament is hitting on all cylinders for me, and it they've really put some time and effort and thought into the story that they're telling throughout the entire tournament. You can tell already, the, the, kicking things off with the Sean Spears and Cody match, and then the stuff that we have with Lance Archer coming in and the Jake promos, and now we're getting into Sammy and Darby, and that's its own story, and we're going to yeah. talk about more of it in a minute. Just It just keeps going with the depth, and it, I just I want to applaud that so much yeah. because it's so miss. It's not even – it's an afterthought in WWE, it feels like, these days, but it's so – it's the other way around in AEW and even New Japan and things like that where it's so focused on telling the good story. Well, it's actually really funny that you know you got two guys. You got you got less than a year of AEW, more than a year, a little more than a year Six of months. AEW so far, right? And more than that, just like with TV, all the, with all the dynamite, yeah, of dynamite. But I mean, I'm talking like just with pay per views and everything else. And you've already got them established as being one of the like underlying feuds. Like you know, oh, oh god, it's going to be Darby and Sammy. They hate each other, right? It's already established. Six Beautiful. months. In WWE, you have to have someone like Miz and Daniel Bryan and the history they have to have that kind of, oh, they hate each other when they get in the ring together, right? Yeah. There's but this could be, 15 be like 15 years of history there to make a sure. video package out of it, right? It makes me excited when these guys do have 15 years of history behind them and it's a it's a fight forever situation. Every time they get in the ring together, it's going to be a war. I, at some point, they've already, the last couple of matches they've had, they've gone out there and, like I said, they killed themselves. They're going to have to find other ways to do that. Otherwise, one of them's going to die at right. some point if they keep doing these huge moves um i swear to god he, he broke every bone in darby's body coming off the top like that but it was it was a great match after that they ended up having a, a very fast pace as i said gritty like you know just two guys scrapping on the floor high energy so it was a great match that being said darby allen did pick up the win scraped scraped out of victory so he is moving on as we predicted that he would and on the other side of the of the uh, tournament bracket Dustin Rhodes 
inexplicably put his career on the line in a first round tournament match against Kip Sabian. Called up Cody and said, "If I can't, if I'm, I'm an old dog. If I can't beat this young whippersnapper, I might as well not be doing this anymore." So to add some sort of more something to this match, uh, they had him put his career on the line. Which I don't know about you, Nick. It made me so much more certain he was going to win this. Oh, oh like, of after course. the career he's had, he's not going to drop a first round tournament loss to Kip Sabian with no audience. No, come on. So that actually, that actually kind of it, it, it ruined the match a little bit for me because I was just like, all right, just get it over with. Dustin's pulling this one out. Yeah, it, it, listen. <laughs> How good did both of these guys look in this match? Like, I fantastic. I, I think a lot of people will sleep on Kip Sabian because it feels like a B B level star or an undercard star that's doing a, a more of a love interest thing with Penelope Ford and doing all that stuff. But if you if you haven't He's really good. And Dustin Rhodes, was no, he wasn't going to go out of his career in this match. But, yeah, it kind of foreshadowed what was going to happen next. But, I mean, yeah, they still exactly. went out there and Dustin fought like this was the last, last match he was ever going to fight in. And Kip went step for step with him. And it was, God, it was it's, magnificent. It, more the other way around. I'm surprised that Dustin was able to keep up with Kip, who's, you know, a little lightning in a bottle. But then, you know, Dustin is... It, it's crazy to watch him work still at the level that he's at. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, that is still wildly impressive. But I'm, and I'm glad he's there helping the younger guys, even though he did go over here, which is something that I was like, uh, at what point do you put over the younger guys? And I was like, oh, right. Now we have Darby Allen versus Cody, and we have Lance Archer versus Dustin Runnels, Dustin Rhodes in the final. So, or in the, in the semifinals, quarterfinals. Finals, I'm finals. wondering how much you of the I mean. brothers Rhodes thing is going to play into the Dustin. Is Lance just going to like beat down and dare I say the M word so murder let's, Dustin in order to antagonize Cody to make that a thing? This like, like, the big story. This is here. building so well. <laughs> you've got a few different stories here. One, you've got Cody and Darby. Last time they met up, Darby punched Cody after the match because he was frustrated that they lost. Um, so there's a built-in story there. Dustin and Lance has the story of Lance trying to, you know, get one over on, in co on Cody and get into Cody's head. What better way than to kill his beloved brother? Yeah. Uh, and then if you have the finals, all, pretty much the only way you're going to have a finals that doesn't have a story is if you do Darby and Lance, right? And the only story there is would be like Lance having to lay out Darby as a message to Cody, but yeah, we already have kind of seen that. Yeah. So... It's, I feel like it's going to be Cody going over Darby either way because either it's brother versus brother again or it's Cody versus the man who destroyed his brother. Exactly. Which I feel is what the story is going to be. Like, I think Lance is going to come out and just absolutely destroy Dustin just to make a point and then continue the beat down, mock Cody during the whole thing. Exactly. Uh, just to, like, just to poke the bear, right? All right. Well, uh, that's, and that's been his yeah. and Jake's MO since they got there is we want yep. Cody, we want Cody, and Cody's like, you don't deserve a shot at me. Well, what if he forces a shot? Yeah. So that's that to me is a lot more of an engaging storyline. So I, I kind of hope they go for that. But I'm, I'm interested in whatever story they have to tell at this point because there's a lot of good options here, and so far this has been an entertaining tournament. And, you know, it's they've done a good job of keeping the energy up. They've still got people at the sidelines. They've got the heels on one side, the faces on the other, about five to six people on either side. They're out there with noisemakers. I mean, they're making a lot bigger noise than WWE is with having no one ringside, but being arguably a little safer. So it's 
Yeah, they are keeping the energy up, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, there was also a lot of energy in the Orange Cassidy and Jimmy Havoc match, the most overbooked match I've seen in a while on AEW. Good Lord. It's a dream so match. Much, so much, uh, so much uh, interference at the end. But there was a whole long stretch of this where it was just basically Orange Cassidy getting his ass kicked yep. by Jimmy Havoc. That was pretty much the entire first part of his match is just Jimmy Havoc beating the crap out of Orange Cassidy who, you know, Every once in a while, at one point, uh, Jimmy was mocking him by putting his hands in his own pockets, and that was apparently Popeye's spinach, as Jericho said. And, and Orange Cassidy ran wild and hulked up and had a whole flurry of offense. But then it just it all broke down at the end. Uh, both the best friends were ringside. They both got involved. Uh, Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford got involved. It was all just a madhouse at the end. And in the midst of the chaos, Orange Cassidy with the crucifix roll-up Pins Jimmy Havoc. Oh, they're furious afterwards. They beat the crap out of him some more. It's what needed to happen. Orange Cassidy needed to win. It's his first like real match real win. in AEW yeah. in first like win. four months. It's his first so. win. It was, it was him and Pac, and then here he actually oh, that's won. That's right. Yep. So, yeah. And Havoc can take the loss. He's going to be fine. It, oh, Cassidy yeah. absolutely it, needed this. It, it looked like he got, you know, he basically he was destroying him the entire match. Yeah. It was only because of all the other crazy stuff that was going on that he, he he lost sight for a second. So it's fine. He was protected. He was really protected. Yeah. And then afterwards, we had a shot in the gym of Orange Cassidy standing there looking completely beat up uh, with both the best friends. And uh, Chucky e. T and Trent both saying, man, we don't like what you did to our boy. You can't beat him up. You got to take us all on. So next week, we're going to have Kip Sabian. And Jimmy Havoc against the best friends. All right. So we're creating a little feud going on here. Cute, fun, not I mad like at it. it. We can't Death Triangle is is broken up right now because of travel issues. So yep. it's a good way to pass the time. I'm not mad at this. So it's all it's all very fun. I'm digging it. That's, uh, like I said, I loved everything. AEW really did no wrong in my opinion this week. I I I don't I don't know that there's anything negative I'm gonna have to say about AEW's dynamite oh, episode this week. You're going to do all ups, all ups there, Simon. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got to say, I, I kind of wish they'd add a little bit more stakes to this, but I, I, it's, it's just getting going now. So I can't really complain too much about We've it. We've got enough, yeah. enough, they don't, they don't going like each on other stakes uh, that we yeah. can enjoy right now. This is just good old family fun wrestling with a two different groups that don't really like each other. And they all kind of orbit around each other in a different way. I love stuff when there's multiple tentacles going and angles on all different kinds of threads. Uh, between two different big groups like this, I'm sure. totally fine with all this. Yeah, you can have different different ways different guys in interact with each other, yeah, setting up so things much for the flexibility. future. Yeah, yeah, it's good, good stuff. Uh, also, good stuff. Matt Hardy. We had a. It started off with broken Matt Hardy talking about how Jericho never responded to his challenge. He's like, he said, "Come to my compound." Ah, uh, ah. Uh. Um, worst Matt Hardy impression ever. And uh, Jericho didn't respond. He never came. Perhaps you are too scared of my vessel. <laughs> <laughs> my broken brilliance. <laughs> and uh, Jericho didn't show up. So he said, okay, well, maybe you'll understand if I speak to you from my mortal vessel. Yes. And he changes back into regular Matt Hardy. I, I may have to go back and watch all of the broken Matt Hardy stuff. Is this the first time that he's actually changed gimmicks mid like mid piece, mid video package. So I didn't watch impact during the time that he was doing this. I only saw like the highlights and stuff online. So I, I'm not sure I can't, I can't speak for that, but I don't remember a time ever that he came out of character. 
like this? It was no, I didn't take it as character. I took it more as it was almost like Mick Foley-ish, where he's got sure. a gimmick, and then he's and one of his gimmicks is just him, but it's still a gimmick. Yeah, right. Matt like, Hardy is still a guy. He's still playing himself, but it's a gimmick, and he was you know he was still cutting a, a wrestler promo. Sure. Right, and using terminology and saying, "Oh, Jericho, you know, I know why you have beef." And he was talking about, he went into reality, started talking about like their time in WWE and when he came to AEW and what Jericho represents to AEW and what Matt Hardy represents to AEW in a more like you know, work shoot style, break the fourth wall kind of way. But what was fun was that it it felt like, you know, Cactus Jack and Mankind, like Mankind's the crazy, wacky, out there character. Cactus Jack is just a dude who wants to just kick butt. And then, of course, you know, Mick Foley also has the Mick Foley character, which, so he's got like four, right? But this was the first time I can, that I can remember seeing Matt Hardy actually do, actually have broken Matt Hardy not be consistent. Like he's so got Andy another just said it in the there. chat, and I had heard it elsewhere as well. It's on my list to listen to tonight. He does, he was on the Jericho podcast. And he explains how, what would you say, Andy? Damascus has the power to come and go and release yes. the mortal Matt Hardy. So apparently he explains all of this on the Jer his episode of the Jericho podcast. So I can't right. wait to listen to that. And, and this is the first time we're actually seeing what he meant by yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and that's definitely something, if, like if you hadn't seen this, it would have gone over your head, as it did mine apparently, because it, I didn't know what he meant by that. Yeah. Now we know. We've seen it. We've seen it. He can actually use two different characters. That's a really cool conceit. What a great concept. Now he can have he can go out there and work matches at Matt, as Matt Hardy. I wonder if he picked up his idea from The Fiend or from Finn Balor with the Demon, you know, where he's basically got he's got an extra gear he can go into, yeah. right? So now Matt Hardy can go out there and get his ass kicked by Jericho in the inner circle cuz he's call, he called them out here. He can go get his ass kicked. And then at some point Broken Matt Hardy can come in and Broken Matt Hardy as we've seen is a guy who can level Jericho with one punch. Is it fair so, to say that maybe this is what Vince didn't understand when maybe it was trying to get pitched and why he did the Matt Hardy Bray Wyatt thing, thinking that Matt, two different personalities Vince didn't get, there? Vince didn't get broken Matt Hardy, period, from oh, what I understand. Man. Like he just didn't get the whole thing. And I wonder if he described it to him as Damascus, a three thousand year old god. And it, who and, sometimes and, inhabits my body right. and if Vince just I, went I, <laughs> <laughs> I, well, can you imagine? I mean, this is, here's the thing. You know, we saw a little bit of Vince later in the week. And it just drove home to me what a freaking grandpa that guy's, guy's become on some yeah. levels. Can you imagine going to you know your grandparent and doing an impression of Matt Hardy? What they they'd be like? What the hell are you doing, Whippersnapper? Are you trying any of that wacky tobacco? Right. Are you taking Are you taking any of those uh, hallucinogenics? Come on now, this is ridiculous. No more trips be to serious. Joshua Tree for you. Be serious. <laughs> Not you, Siri. Stop it. I can't even say serious around it. Damn you, Steve Jobs. Um, all right. So, yeah, this was this was all very cool. I can see why Vince didn't get it overall. I'm glad he's getting to, the freedom to do it now. I think this is a smart. It's a smart way to build this character. You can have two levels, a realistic level, and then just the craziness that is Damascus and the rest of the Broken Matt Hardy universe. Fantastic. Yep. Good stuff. Um, here's a controversial match. Kenny Omega had a match with a guy named Alan Angels. Who, from all, an enhancement guy, you know, for all intents and purposes. They gave him a little bit of shine coming out. Um, but, you know, basic ring wear. Seemed like a fairly basic guy. In any other situation, you'd look at him and just go, ah, jobber. 
But Kenny Omega worked a match with him. About a 10-minute match. Eight, 10-minute match. I didn't have the exact time. Uh, it wasn't a squash. Got, was, it wasn't a squash. It, but at the same time, it wasn't like a straight-up match where this guy actually got over on Sam. Uh, he wasn't getting a whole lot of offense in on Kenny. He got some offense in. Yeah. He definitely got his own. Uh, he got some good moves. In. He got to look good in this match. Um, but then uh, at the end, Kenny V triggered him, and the guy kicked out. And Kenny went, all right, uh, all right, all right. You, uh, well done. But then he gave him a Snapdragon suplex and another V trigger, and that was that. Now, the, before this, I should also say, we had Taz giving a little, like, almost, what would you call it, Nick? Like a sports center breakdown of Kenny's moves. Like, yeah, he's been doing this on, on social yeah. media, and they're fantastic. He did one on it's Cody's cool. uh, on the Crossroads uh, a couple weeks ago. It was fantastic. I, I love these. And it's great. There, it's a little bit of William Regal. It's a little bit of sports science. You know, yeah. it's a little bit of just complete utter kayfabe. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. You know, and then, and then you see, you know, he, he rips back on him with his kind of a talk backwards, and it hits him right on the neck. And that's where the real power of the move comes from. Is that talk? It's great. It's a lot of. I, I like the way it sets it up, and the way that he set up these two moves. Well, guess what? The next match, that's how Kenny put this kid away. He didn't put him away with the one-winged angel. He put him away with those two moves that Taz was... So that was the idea of this match. And you even had Jericho and Tony Scavione on commentary saying, all right, this kid's got some heart. You know, he's giving one to to Kenny. Kenny's not taking him too seriously. You know, this is kind of like a warm-up match for him. I think at one point they used the the metaphor that it was kind of like a stand-up comic getting up and doing just like a quick five just to keep his chops up, you know? Not do the whole big stand-up, like just to just rip out some, try out some new material, maybe bomb, maybe not. That was the thing they used. And people on, like Ryan Satin, of all people, among others, on social media, went nuts. They were like, wow, Kenny's not a big star anymore. He totally like put his kid over. He's, he's, he's selling to a jobber. They lost their minds. And uh, one of the people that was defending this match was Dave Meltzer, and Fine. A lot of people automatically heard Meltzer and well, were triggered. He's an idiot. I don't want to. I don't want to take his word for it. But I was sitting there going, "Did anyone actually watch this match? Anyone who was saying, I can't believe Kenny Omega sold for a jobber. Why did this match go so long? Did you actually watch the match? It yeah. made sense. Kenny was out there having a like. He was warming up, trying some things. The kid got a couple moves in. Kenny didn't even sell any of those moves after the match. The kid didn't even go out to. He didn't kick out of a one-winged angel. He kicked out of a V trigger. That's a transitional move. That'd be like kicking out of the of Sammy of Sammy Zayn's blue thunder bomb. Everyone does it. It's not a big deal. I so, saw this as bringing up new talent and giving yeah, them a moment to shine. Exactly, and showing that they could run with arguably one of the best in the world. I'm gonna remember Alan Angels know. now. I'm gonna remember him because Kenny gave him a couple of shine spots. Yep. I'm gonna remember him now. He has some moves, and he's gonna feel legit when he does eventually come up and start intermixing and having matches and other things like that. You're, you yeah. know, at, 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 listen. I say this all the time about the four horsewomen of NXT and WWE. At some point, you're gonna have to move on from the four of them to highlight other people. Set this the is talent. the proper way to build new people. And I, this is this is what I appreciated. I wasn't looking at this as, oh my God, Kenny's done. He's letting a jobber beat him, or you know, get the get the best of. No, that's just not it. You have to promote other talent as they come up through the ranks. 
and begin to give them a little bit of shine here and there. And that's exactly what Kenny did in this match. That's all that was going on. Even if they don't want to use this guy in their company, this this is going. You were going back to territory days here, where you have like a big star come in, let your local guy get some offense in, then your local guy looks like a big deal for going toe to toe with a big guy. This kid goes back off to whatever local promotion he's in, and they they brought this up in commentary too. You got some licks in on Kenny Omega. Yeah, you did a match with Kenny Omega. You you know, street cred. He be, he, he beat you, but you still got some licks in on him. Way to go, kid. Maybe next time. You know what I mean? Like, that's a good look for your dude. It's satin. Shut up, Ryan so, Satin. God. I know. WWE show at this point. <laughs> you know, what's he going to do? From TMZ to WWE. Shut up. Yeah. So I, I didn't, I couldn't take him too seriously. But there's a lot of other people that jumped on the train, too, that, that I swear to God, they just didn't watch the match. Yeah. I, I watched, the, you know, I actually heard the, the controversy before I watched the match. So I tried to watch it, you know, just objectively. Like, should Kenny Omega be selling for this guy so much? And as like, I was listening to the commentary and going, the commentary is telling the story. It's t- literally telling the story right there. Is it Kenny's sad that I kind of don't want to see, and we said this about Samoa Joe, I'm, I'm kind of uncertain that I want to see Jericho wrestle anymore. I'm enjoying him so much oh, on commentary. commentary. <laughs> oh, it's, it's like I didn't know he had this gear in him. Like we'd never really seen this before week after week like we've seen the last three weeks. Well, and I'm going, yeah, even in WWE, go back had to JR on... and Excalibur at this point. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What if we had play by play by Excalibur in color with Jericho? Like, like I, I'm seeing all kinds of possibilities here, especially with his his. I, I never really put two and two together with his podcast experience that he's been doing for years and years now. That that will translate. That will come through your yeah. ability to talk and have the the flow and all of that stuff in a conversation. It's also well, also decades of promos and sure. just the creativity that comes along with that. And it's just sure. Jericho. Some it's guys can cut great promos and just aren't good on commentary. He's just not really good at Facebook Lives or or singing on Facebook Live. Let's sorry, buddy. Oh, oh dude, come on yeah. now. He's going to come for you. He came for me. He's going to come for you. Uh, I offered to help. Next. You know, I offered to, I reached out. Mm-hmm. Next up, we had an interesting little couple of segments that tied together. The Dark Order got a, got a couple of things going on. One, they showed that they have, uh, they have obtained a new recruit but by the name of Preston Vance. He was, uh, they show him getting broken up with by his girlfriend, uh, was a Heisman Trophy Winner, but then lost out in his football career due to injury, drinking, and good old Brody Leash uh, has a meeting with him and says, uh, do you, need, what do you want a new start? He's like, yeah, I do. Okay, well, I'll give you a new start in the dark order. Have you seen a picture of Preston Vance? He posted one on his, on his new Twitter. He's not new, small. He's a tank. Yeah. Dude's a house. Um, I also have some other bad news for you, Nick, which actually, which actually might be better news after the Nick booking episode. Preston Vance is also Anna Jay's husband in real life. I know. You do know. Oh, no wonder you took Tony back. Preston Vance scared you out of the house. I mean, talk about breaking kayfabe, you know? All, come on, all, come you, on, all man. you get to do, you get, you get caught once with your pants down. You have to go hide in a closet while Preston Vance runs around the house asking where you're hiding. And next thing you know, you run, run back to Tony's arm. God. I see how it is, Nick. Fine. God. Lame. All right. Uh, so Preston Vance is the newest member of Dark Order, which is, I think, a great idea. They need a house. There's a bu- right now, it's a bunch of, of littler guys. They need to have the, the monster. And Brody Lee is a good monster, but he, as we've been saying, should be more of the leader role. 
And he did have a squash match this week uh, where he murdered Justin Law and then went over and mad-dogged Marco Stunt. And I guess they have a, a match next week. I want to get into that in a second. But do you think that it's a good idea to have established Brody Lee as being the boss who's just a killer but not have him wrestle as much and have Preston Vance step into the heavy role for Dark Order? Is this, is this going in the right direction? I'm not mad at it. And it's it's I don't want to come across as tantrum, not what I wanted it to be. So I I'm gonna hate it. But I, I I've been saying all along, even before we knew it was Brody Lee, that I wanted to make sure that the Exalted One felt special. Only showed up when absolutely needed. He is, as we say, the final boss. But I feel like I'm seeing him more than the Dark Order. I'm, I'm not seeing Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. The, the sort of generals, the lieutenants of, of the Dark Order. Well, that might be, that also and might, that might be for other reasons right I, now. I might understand that, but I, but I don't want to overshare Brody Lee or overshare yeah. the exalted one. And right now it feels like they're still very much poking at WWE. And I'm starting to, mm, starting to cool a little bit on this. It doesn't feel as overt. It doesn't yeah. feel as overt, uh, you know, whether or not this was a saying, oh, yeah, Vince takes failed football players, you know, whether that was what they were saying here. Preston Vance, has a, he, he actually is was a football player. So that could just also be, you know, a realistic thing. But it's neither here nor there. I feel like we're getting, you know, we're getting forward movement with the Dark Order. I feel like they're showing us some things and they've got a plan where they're going with it. I still feel that way. Yeah, I may be wrong, but I still feel that way. And I feel like adding Preston Vance, the you know the nature. If they added like if QT Marshall went over to to Dark Order, or uh, you know someone of someone of that size or that stature, Nakazawa went, uh, you know, and all of a sudden he starts showing up in a mask, it'd be like all right, fine, you know that 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 wouldn't pique my interest. You bring in a big dude like Preston Vance, you have my attention. They're going for something here. That there's a goal in mind by having someone who looks like that, who's in that kind of shape. Um. So that's what actually made me think this thing when they when when you had Brody Lee, Mad Dog, and Marco at ringside after this match, and we find out that he's got a match with Marco next week. It made me start thinking, okay, why would he be going after Marco? What does he want? Why would you want Marco or Jungle Boy? What's the big prize? Is the big prize Luchasaurus? Are they going for Luchasaurus? Would that be something that they would start? bringing in Preston Vance for is next week we have Marco get his ass kicked. Luchasaurus comes out for the save and then Preston Vance shows up and it starts off a bit of a feud between the Jurassic Express and Dark Order. I mean, why not recruit the weakest one? Why not go after a Marco stunt? Because that's that's what they used and to then, do. And that and now, now, that, now that Brody Lee's here, they go after strong ones like so Preston I, Vance. So I feel like, like it's cart before the horse a little bit, frankly. Um, oh, I, it, it's a little like it's you're taking me straight to the end. You're not telling me a, a big long game story. And and I want to give them the listen there. I, I said I'm going to review what I said earlier. There wasn't anything really that I didn't like on on this episode. And I don't want to come across as it's not what they're not doing what I man, want. My wrestling. Man. Man. Um, but I, this is it in the way I would do it. But I have faith that they know what they're doing at this point. That's kind of where I'm at with it, where I'm, I'm, I'm along for the ride. I'm, I'm letting go of the I'm, reins, I'm, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm just okay. let, I'm not going to take me on a journey, AEW. Yeah, but but then don't worry about them second, you, you know, don't I second know. guess them. I know. Well, that's what we're here to do, right? Well, I mean, sometimes. Or I could, just, or we could just say, I'm along for the ride. 
You have I mean, my we attention. We could have just Where played. Are you going? The, we could have just played the stinger. Uh, and now all elite wrestling. Bum, bada, bum. It was freaking awesome this week. All right, let's move on to NXT, <laughs> where we, we have, have, have some real down, gripes to talk about. To break down when it where, well. We have to break down what's good. There were some things that were not a hundred on uh, on AEW this week. That's fine. They're yeah, doing. I the, mean, I, honestly, I still give them the, the. You know, they're doing the best that they can. Yeah. This Brody Lee I, bit fell a little flat for me, but I still wasn't that mad at it. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, MJF that didn't fall flat for me. He was nope. outside his. It was outside MJF Rat's house. <laughs> He's outside his girlfriend's house. And uh, saying, well, you know, because recently the last couple of weeks, if you've been following MJF on Twitter, he's been very kind of, you know, serious, a little more serious than normal. He's, apparently he's had a nagging injury that may keep him from competing. Yep. Um, of course, everyone who knows MJF sees this and goes, it's a work. But there were some people that'd be like, oh, are you okay, dude? Crap, is MJF going to, is, is his career already cut short? And he showed up to address this and said, yes, you know, actually, the, I, recently on Dynamite, I did actually get an injury. I've been nursing. It's been keeping me from competing. From competing, and in these dark times, in these uncertain times, in these times that are troubling us all, where I can't compete, <laughs> subverting your expectations. Uh, I just want to say that I will be back. Uh, I was on dynamite, and while I was gambling with money on a match, I suffered a horrible hangnail injury. Right. And uh, but I kept going. I kept. I just kept gambling on these matches and so ultimately it turned into a, an injury that I couldn't I couldn't wrestle with good st- just typical great MJF stuff heel stuff but he says he's coming back and in order to underline that to underscore that to remind us that MJF does have an absolute powerhouse in his corner we had a Wardlow match Nick we actually had a Wardlow ma- well I call it a match it was more like a you know back alley beating but it was Wasn't uh, necessary, Lee, Lee though, is the question. Like, is did this do anything to move the ball forward at all? Two reasons why I thought it was necessary. Okay. For to have Wardlow kill Lee Johnson. Okay. One, Lee Johnson, not a small guy. No. He's tall. He's a little skinny, like a Montez Ford build, right? Lanky, but but muscly. Wardlow's even bigger. Wardlow's a house, and he tossed this dude around like he was a salad. This was insane. I the other reason I had this one get Wardlow's uh, heat back from losing to Cody, remind everyone that he is a monster. Two, freak everybody out at him. Remember, we didn't have real, a whole lot of Wardlow squashes, if any. I don't remember. I don't remember a single Wardlow match before that Cody match. It was just him looking brr, grim with his with his man bun and his scarf next to next to MJF. This was a great way to illustrate that Wardlow is a beast. Such a beast, in fact, that his finishing move apparently is like a super F five. It was an airplane spin. He tossed Lee Johnson in the air so hard to well, do. They do- <laughs> Does it have a name? I it's haven't called, heard them call they it. Called it, it a- they called it an airplane spin at the time, uh, but it basically was like a, an F five with extra rotation. I've heard it referred to as an F ten. I was, I was going to say by non AEW so. personnel. I'll, I, I'll leave it at that. I, uh, I don't think they could get away with calling it an F ten. <laughs> Uh, that was I, I see what you're doing there. I, I, I get. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Other personality. They could probably get away with calling an F50 or something yeah. like that. You know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Be original, maybe. Try something new. Right. Rather than just. Yeah. Poking. 
But at any rate, it looked great. And he actually had a couple of moves in this that, I mean, he was tossing this dude around like he was Nia Jax in, a, in, a, in an Alexa Bliss match. Like, it was just, he was hucking this guy. Yeah. And he also had a power slam that Braun Strowman needed to look at. Because that power slam he put on this guy had such snap on it, Nick. Yeah. There was a couple times. I mean, I was, I was actually watching this match thinking, I was watching this match thinking of you. Like, Nick has to be loving this. Yeah. Big dude is doing big dude things. It was pretty. So that's yeah, what I'm saying. I, I, I thought it, I thought it was necessary. Yeah. So, uh, also not sure if it was necessary, but I liked it. Scorpio Sky got a nice little heartwarming piece about Welcome his life. Welcome back, back Scorpio. It's been so, I feel like it's been ten years since we've seen Scor- SCU at all, much less Scorpio after he had that championship match with Jericho. Like, what? Yeah. Where have you guys been? And they obviously like have him earmarked for something. I mean, they they said they're going to have some other pieces like this on other guys. I wonder if they're building up. You know, some more story for for them, or if this is a beginning of a singles push for Scorpio. I hope either so. way, either way, I'm not mad at it. Yep. We also had another uh, bit of the another little bit of the bubbly bunch, where uh, the inner circle once again did their did their bit where they're all talking to each other on their phones from their houses, and Jericho said, "Let's all do a dance video," and uh, Ortiz said, "Hey, let's all do the flim flam." And I'll be goddamn, but uh, they, Sammy Guevara was depressed because he says, "Oh, all they do is lose now." And uh, Jake Hager said, no, Sammy, you're too pretty. Uh, being sad is for losers. Um, or for people who aren't pretty. Something like that. Anyway, it was silly. It was fun. At the end, all of the inner circle are doing the flim flam like a TikTok video. Right. I didn't know what I was looking at. Um, I'm going to reiterate it, Nick. Same thing I asked last week. Is this too silly for your number one heel team to be doing? No, nah, it's good social media fodder. That's, damn, you took, you took my take. It's a good YouTube clip. Good you three minute YouTube damn, clip. Took my take. Apparently, the last week like did did some really good numbers for them. Yep. So it's Jared Jericho. It's it's he. Ever since, I mean, ever, <laughs> he's known how to get bits over, and people talking about his bits. People still talk about the man of a thousand and four holds. Right. He's just and he is he's a walking meme. It. Right. He got over a two letter. He got over a two letter bit. Two letters. I'm not mad at this at all. They're having fun. Let them have fun. It's good social media fodder. It's Jericho. Uh, who cares? It's five minutes of TV time. You know, it's a it's a segment for you to listen to, but maybe not watch if you need to take a bathroom break between matches and all that stuff. It's it's fine. Uh, people getting bent out of shape about this. Uh, take a breath. <laughs> It'll be okay. Yeah. Show show me on the Jericho doll where he hurt you. You know, it's just, is, it's fun, like you said, and yeah, they can they can build them back time. up to be dangerous. Yeah, other times, so yeah, and it, and honestly, like more than anything else, in these uncertain times, when MGF can't wrestle, we need something to actually get our you know get our minds off of things and laugh and just take things lightly, and maybe that's what this is for. So I, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna criticize. I think there will be a time when the inner circle turns back around, but they dominated TV for a good three months on AEW and I'm anxious to see where this goes with Broken Hardy and Damascus. I think that has that's where your heat is right now for Inner Circle. So yeah, if they go off as a group and do something fun like this, sure. But on the flip side of the coin, you've got something equally as silly in a 3000-year-old god inhabiting the vessel of Matt Hardy. So I don't want to hear about how the bubbly bunch is silly and that's not. So it, but you can love <laughs> one and not love the other. Come on guys. 
Uh, like, well, like one's, just one's let go, and enjoy the ride. It's all fun. It's all good. One's campy, but takes itself seriously. The other one is obviously they're not taking it seriously at all. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, uh, and Sammy Guevara's got some damn dance moves too. Yeah, uh, he so. won the, the. They had a competition going. I guess. Yeah, he for won. for for a little bit of of like a tiny little Walgreens yeah. hand sanitizer thing. Yep. And Jericho was mad and threw it at his phone. It's too bad it wasn't <laughs> the Asian Dawn brand. You're going to hell, Nick. You I do know. realize that, I right? Know. First class ticket. First class ticket. But that's not all this week, Nick. We have plenty more wrestling to discuss. So let's head over to NXT. So this is where we go from everything is awesome to we need to talk. <laughs> really? <laughs> um. The big beef that I have with this seems to be shared for the most part. Like, there's a lot of misunderstanding around what's going on. And I think I've said this the last couple of weeks as well. I don't really understand what's going on with the NXT championship. And it feels yeah. like a feud that has come out of nowhere with Velveteen Dream, seemingly, uh, is now also in a giant kerfuffle that includes Keith Lee. Uh, I almost called him Punisher there's Martinez. Some, Damian Priest. There's some weird shit going there, on. Just like whatever the <laughs> opening of NXT yes. was this week, I was sitting there just going, well, remember who, when, who's fighting who again at this point? Like, I just, okay. Yeah. And again, remember I'm just kind of like letting go and enjoying really it. Really clean. Like, the title picture was clean, and it was like, Gargano hates Champa. Yeah. Right? Uh, Kate Lee, Dijak. You know? <laughs> yeah. Andrade Cien almost is a dick, and everyone wants the title. Whatever it was, right? Right. Well, now. Adam Cole doesn't want to defend his title. Um, Velveteen, Velveteen, could, Velveteen th -th -th -th, Sasha Banks, couldn't get him out of his house last week. Right. So instead, got mad dog by Finn Balor, who felt insulted that Velveteen didn't call him the greatest NXT champion of all time. Right. So this week, Velveteen's supposed to have a match with Finn. Adam Cole actually shows up. Finn goes missing. Finn's disappeared. We don't know why. And... For some reason, Velveteen gets beat to get saved from an undisputed era beatdown by Keith Lee, who then is in a match with Velveteen against Adam Cole and Roderick Strong. Okay. And then in the middle of that match, Keith Lee gets taken out by Damian Priest, who wants a shot at Keith Lee's North American title. Uh, he comes out with a nightstick, hits Keith Lee in the, in the throat, so Keith can't continue. So Velveteen's fighting off both the two members of Undisputed Era on his own, until Dexter Loomis comes out of nowhere, hops up on the ring apron, and tags himself in and starts whooping the Undisputed Era's ass until they get a victory, until Vel Velveteen ends up pinning Adam Cole for the victory. And if that sounds like a lot, it's because it is. And I'm not sure I understand what the hell they're doing with it all. Uh, but there could be some backstage stuff that we don't know about. Um, I, you know, we we don't know. They're they're always very tight-lipped about this stuff. If there was a legitimate problem that Finn couldn't compete, um, you know what what the what the deal was there. Going forward, things may stay unstable because Velveteen's in a bit of hot water right now. We'll talk about that in the news section. Yeah. Um. So it's. But it's all, like, I think the North American picture with Damian Priest, that's really clear. Damian Priest says Keith Lee is a champion who's picked all his own 
contenders his own matches, and so of course he's beaten them all. Why is he he's hitting him in the throat them. though with the nightstick? Like why? Like why the throat? If, if a why man can't the... breathe, he can't punch, he can't fight. You know, it's just yeah. one of those things. It worked. It worked, didn't it? It dropped <laughs> Keith Lee to the ground. A guy that, a guy the size of Keith Lee. That's a, that's a, come on. You hit him in a pressure point. You hit him sure. in a place that's going to immediately incapacitate him. He, he's not necessarily going to. You hit him in the leg. He might he might be able to get back up and kick your ass. This to me that seems like that's smart heel work on the point right. of Priest. I'm actually coming. They're starting to do better things with Priest here. I was saying he was a little bit too flat. Now he's coming across like an actual like conniving, you know, Machiavellian heel. Like all right, good. So that's clean. Everything going on with Dream and Finn, Undisputed Era, Dexter Loomis. I my head explode. I don't know what's going on there. Why Dexter Loomis? Out of nowhere, Dexter Loomis is in a match including the uh, NXT champion, and for some reason seems to be gunning for the Undisputed Era or lulling the good guys into a false sense of security. Who kidnapped Finn Balor? Who are the parking lot bandits? What is going on at NXT right now, Nick? I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. Finn Balor is probably off quarantined with his smoke show Brazilian wife, uh, new bride. Um, who's pregnant? I believe. I believe yeah, he's got a little Balor so, on the way. For understand, little Balor, <laughs> a little <Yep>. demon, <laughs> little little demon. <laughs> yep. Finn Dong been hard at work, my friends. Uh, so Dexter Loomis. Okay, I like so. Him. It, I just I want to be oh, yeah, on record no. and saying I'm absolutely in love with the look and the gimmick and like I don't even understand what his thing is, but I love He's it. Creepy stalker serial killer with Stranger Things music is named after the Doctor from Halloween. What's what do you, what else do you need? Him not blinking to Stranger Things mu- lo-fi music is like amazing. I love I just, it. I love it. As we've said before, though, it's a one-note gimmick, and I'm looking forward to them finding more levels to it. I, I, I you know, what is what is it from Starship Troopers? Do you want to know more? Yes, yeah. I want to know more. Would you like to know more? I, I'm, I'm clicking through. So, <laughs> as much as this is a confusing shit show at the top of the card, I'm still invested. I'm coming back. I want to watch more. So on on that level, they've got me. But it is it is a bit of a mess right now. I have yeah. no idea why people are doing what they're doing. I don't know why people are getting kidnapped. Hopefully, they explain this all because it is starting to, to feel a little bit main roster with some of these dangling ends that I'm not sure that they're going to be able to tie up. Well, all of this that we just went over encompassed almost half of the entire show cumulatively. So I, that's where I'm like, all the rest of the stuff was fine. It was okay. Well, there's some things to talk about. But I mean, there, for the most part, it was, it was fine. But I mean, this, there was so much stuff going on. It was, I, just, uh, I couldn't keep up with all of it. I have no idea what? where the threads are. Uh, so. on the on the top of, of NXT because everything else seemed very clean to me. Yeah, on the on the top. Oh, oh, oh the, okay. Uh, the title pictures, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. definitely all over the place. But yeah. on the rest of NXT it was very very straightforward. We have another tournament going on at NXT as well. It is the interim cruiserweight championship tournament. Uh, we had Drake Maverick come out versus our boy from LA, Jake Atlas, uh, in his first major match on NXT. Uh, Jake Atlas, what you get when Jimmy Fallon and Keanu Reeves have a baby and he goes to the gym and, uh, Drake Maverick had, and it was interesting. They actually played the Twitter video he made when they released him where he was crying and saying this, I love this. I'll be back. Don't worry about me. Like, this is what I love to do there. They turned the ship into him getting fired 
And from all reports, he's still fired, but they're allowing him to work during his 90-day no-compete clause uh, by you know, basically paying him on a, on, a, on, a, on a day-to-day basis. Every time he works a match, they pay him for that. Yeah. Um, and they had this like stirring video of him walking over a bridge, which is, of course, you know, it's meaningful. He's a, he's a transition. It's transitional. You're on a bridge over troubled waters. You get it, Nick? And he's like, he's all pensive and like looking, looking serious and like strident as he walks towards the camera. Yes. Yes, Drake. Yes. This is your last chance, Drake. Perhaps your last hurrah. Is this weird that they're actually, they, they fired I, him I'm and scared. they're making it into an angle. I'm scared. <laughs> they're making it into an angle. What? If, what? Like, if they are, if they, this is one of those times where. I understand where something is, is is good good heat and you want to steer into it and you want to take advantage of it and, and work an audience. This is not one of those situations where you should do that. And no, because I think they're... I don't want, I'm scared this is going to be... There was such good emotion. Be, yeah, there was but such it, good, good emotion in his, in his video. They're capitalizing him. It's too but soon and it's too real. Isn't that some, where some of the best wrestling storylines have come from is when they're cut a little bit too close to reality? The only bizarre thing Not when here, there's over 100 other people that have, that have been actually let go. If this whole thing turns mm, into something where Drake Maverick was just like putting it on for the camera for the sake of the tournament, like if he had gone over Jake Atlas here, which he didn't, uh, I would be more concerned... I'd it, still be I, concerned. This is I'm, round robin. It's it's round robin, so I'm still very concerned. But if this comes out that this whole thing was just a work and J- Drake was just putting it on at the same time that all these people were getting released for reals, oh, I don't know if I, there's coming back from that. That's see, ugly, here's the, here's the weird meme. thing. And this this is something that we've seen happen before in WWE, which is where you know the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. And certain departments made the call to cut Drake Maverick while other departments were going, um, we've got him in a cruiserweight tournament, you know, guys. No, that's fine. And, Just let him finish that out. He can't do anything else for 90 days anyway. I, I can hear that Drake, happening. And then Drake genuinely, you know, cuts this great video. And the guys were still using him and going, damn, did you see that? He knocked it out of the park. We can use that. That's real emotion. We got to use that. And they start using it. And then that hand that's still using him goes to the other hand and goes, yo, can we unfire him? Because we got some great stuff going on right now. And they do. This is like the best storyline Drake Maverick has had since he's been in WWE. What is other good storylines? Pissing himself with AOP? Not getting laid on his wedding because he has a 24-7 championship? This is, this is the best thing that's happened to him in WWE. Yeah. So on that sense, I'm just glad he's getting this. I don't know what his chances are of actually running through the cruiserweight division and, and actually getting the championship. He could. He's got 90 days. So they could give him the championship, have him lose it, and then fire him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if, if he does still it. end up... What I don't want to happen, what I'm scared of happening is to find out that this was all just a work and he wasn't actually fired. If he's still actually... I should say released, not fired. If, if, if it turns out that he doesn't win the tournament and he's still released... Fine, and they he probably they probably have his blessing to use this footage. So absolutely, you know, of course, he, yeah, he's yeah. a wrestler. He wants any, and it's, like anything. It's going to be Give it's me good something. stuff for him. Get me it's, on TV. This is all performance art, guys. So wherever he goes and whatever he does next, wherever it may be, WWE or not, 
this is going to be a good look for him. I get that. What I what I'm yes. scared of is WWE effing with all of us and getting Drake to go and cut that promo just to set up some right. underdog we'll, battle and return and victory and everything for him to win the Cruiserweight Championship while they're steering into it and doing even more video packages on top of the one that he made okay. for social media a week ago. I see what you're saying. If that video that Drake cut for Twitter was a work, if he knew that he wasn't really fired or they were going to turn it into something, then he is the best actor in WWE. Yeah. Straight up. Just straight up. That, that, he's a way better actor, and I'm actually going to give him credit for that. Yeah. I just I got feeling. I got nothing but a gut feeling on this. That was not a work. But they're turning it, they're turning that shoot into a work, which is it happens all the time, yeah. Nick. So that is my Otis suspicion. And Mandy. The sure. Well, no, that was Otis trying to make a work out of something from the from the start. I'm talking thinking like Matt and Edge, you know what I mean? Where something oh, starts yeah. as yeah. something starts as a shoot, but then they turn it into a work. Yeah. But that's what I'm seeing here. And I think that time's gonna tell if they were like if they if because of this they realize Drake's value to them and they unfurlough him, um, we're we're all gonna be speculating was this a work the whole time. But if they ultimately do furlough him afterwards, we're we're gonna be saying, Well, that's heartless. Yeah. So they're kind of painting themselves into a corner as well by doing this. So Line drive with we'll 1999 tell. Super Chat says, oh, while I've seen you, issues with him doing Drake as a story, I see it as an opportunity to try to save at least one talent as a fan. Rather worry about wider questions later and at least try to save one. People are going to bat for Drake. I, I get it. I, I totally get yeah. it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be mad at WWE on a moral ground based on what happened last week because of taking advantage of something like this an opportunity like this and i just i think it's in poor taste but yeah. when has wwe ever cared about that yeah you cutting know? cutting talent to be able to make the shareholders happy when they do their quarterly call and you know milking uh, the misery of somebody that whose dream just got shattered that kind of just uh they didn't i mean the thing is we've seen their numbers they didn't have to fire those people period no they did not have to but no. they did no. um but now they're making a storyline out of it. So, yeah, good taste, bad taste. At the end of the day, the only person who is at least getting something out of this is Drake Maverick because people are rallying around him. This is the most popular he's been since he, and most well-known he's been since he's been there. Um, so it is good for him. Even if they do end up furloughing him at the end of this, it is ultimately it's something yeah. for him at least. So look at it that way. Jake Atlas, by the way, to not not to leave Jake Atlas on the side. He looked great in this match too. Uh, I thought it was a good showcase for him. Good first look. So nice to see my boy in there doing well in NXT. We also had another match in the tournament: Kushida versus Tony Nice, getting in there, tearing it up. Uh, but this ends just like Kushida and Hiromu Dominion 2017, with Tony Nice and Kushida up on the top rope. Uh, niece trying to drive down Kushida into the ground, but Kushida holding on to the hoverboard lock, Sakuraba lock, whatever they're calling it in NXT now. It is a Sakuraba lock. He used to call it the hoverboard lock. They're not calling it that anymore for some reason. And he is, he, Kushida picks up the tap out victory over the former cruiserweight champion. Uh, do you think by, they're moving away from the Marty McFly thing? Like he's still checking his watch after the match. 
but they're not saying what a big Back to the Future fan Kushida is, like not called the hoverboard lock. Are they making him more of a legit guy now, less of, less of a gimmick? What's going on here? In it, just my opinion here, in my perspective and experience of either of these guys, neither of them really have. I mean, you could call the Back to the Future thing sort of like a gimmick, but what is it really? Tony Nese counts his As, abs. He's got eight gimmicks right there. Uh, listen, hear me out. Hear me out before you comment. Like, right. I, I don't understand what the gimmicks really are. I haven't seen much in the way of good promos from really either one of these guys, but God damn, you put them in a wrestling ring and watch them put on a show. <laughs> it's it's a clinic. Holy shit, dude. <laughs> like, forget who cares about the gimmicks when these, when the, I mean, just, they're so good. They're so Vince good. Does because Vince, Vince believes, and partly rightly, that people are not going to invest in the character as quickly uh, if they are just a person out there wrestling well. You have to have something. You have to have something yeah, to lock onto. Vince tends to go, I think, too far and make it too cartoony and too on the nose and too specific. But you got to have something, right, for people to latch onto. And you I need don't to think see that's why Kushida isn't bigger than he is in NXT. Maybe. They were super hyped that he was coming in, and they really steered into him initially and then went away. And then now coming back, it's kind of the same stuff all over again. I'm going, well, why didn't you take the opportunity to do some level of repackaging here? Yeah, NXT, though, is a little bit more forgiving. The audience is more forgiving, I should say, yeah. with someone with, with little to no gimmick because they are there for the wrestling. They're a more hardcore crowd. But you've got to get something that the audience can attach itself to before you get to main roster or, or you end up like Apollo Crews. Yeah. Um, the other danger is having something that's too much of a gimmick because then Vince will look at it and make it as cartoony as possible. Witness Alist Alistair's creaking coffin and Ricochet's kapwing and the sassy Southern Belle and ad, ad nauseum. Um, so it's, yeah, with Kushida's an interesting case. And, you know, obviously the injury kind of derailed his initial push. But as they showed with Andrade and Keith Lee, you know, if they truly believe in a guy, they're going to keep pushing him. And, and they know he's good. They are going to keep pushing him until he gets over. Um, which makes me wonder if Kushida is the favorite right now to win all this because he's certainly th has the the greatest pedigree by a long shot. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm very curious what happens next. He does pick up the win here, so he is one and zero. Let's talk about so, the next one first, and then I'll um, I'll weigh in on that. Sounds like a plan. Jack Gallagher and El Hijo del Fantasma. He's debuts. He debuts. He would have Fantasma as his first match. They have a match. Uh, Gallagher working heel. I don't know what the hell Gallagher's uh, new gimmick is. He's coming out wearing a British military cape with fur fringe on it. And he's got like these awful tattoos that would even make Cody Rhodes wince. And I guess he's like a, he's a harder core. Like, I'm like, a, I'm like an 1800 British sailor or something. I don't know. Um, and then he so, so vaudevillains villains all over again. <laughs> yeah, but this just time not with as, tattoos and not as fun. Skin. <laughs> <laughs> I, wait, he had like he had like leopard print on his butt, and then like like weird a weird kind of rust colored boots. Like there was a there was there was a lot going on with Jack Gallagher, and not a lot going on with Jack Gallagher in his yeah. outfit. I, he's insanely talented. The dude is an absolute lights out wrestler. I miss Gentleman Jack Gallagher. That was a good gimmick. Yep. I understand that you have to move on. He's really on something else. the umbrella, and you just I underestimate feel, him yeah. completely, and then he beats the absolute holy hell out of you. 
I love I that. I feel like I feel like they let him into the warehouse in the back of NXT, and he started like grabbing stuff five minutes before the match and just threw it all on. He's like, "It's a gimmick." Yeah. Um, from two thousand two. Yeah. <laughs> Something. Hijo del Fantasma, the former King Cuerno. Uh, you may have seen him in Impact as well. He finally showed up in NXT. A uh, little bit of miscommunication a couple times this match, but overall I thought looked good. He busted out He busted out the arrow from the depths of hell. One of the greatest suicide dives in wrestling. Yep. Um, overall, I thought a solid match. A lot of Gallagher going for his mask. That dirty bastard. And Fantasma does pick up the win on his first match in NXT. Um do you think because of all the mask pulling that Phantasma unmasking might still be on the table? Because I actually, I personally think them having him in the mask, speaking nothing but Spanish like they're doing right now, is doing him a disservice. Hmm. That's an interesting hot take. And, and here's why. I hadn't thought about that. Andrade was La Sombra. Yeah. He comes to NXT, unmasks. And comes out in like a, you know, Pachuco outfit at first. Totally flops. They bring him back out later. They have him like he gets more serious. He stops, he stops partying so much, takes it seriously or whatever. And he gets a big push, ends up becoming the champ. Um, Andrade's a good looking dude who can't cut a promo because he's, he speaks, he doesn't speak English. And the English he does speak is extremely heavily accented. Yeah. He's been trying, but it's just, it's just not there. Yeah. They had to stick him with Zelina to get him over. Here's Ehuda del Fantasma, who is a good-looking guy and speaks perfect English. So of the two, why have Fantasma keep the mask and speak in Spanish? I don't you know. See what I'm we, we hadn't got to SmackDown yet, but there was a bit where Lindsay Dorado came out. It, it, was a, it was a. I want to talk about this in this context for just a second. and we'll, yeah. we'll talk more about it when we get to SmackDown. But you had two figures in Lindsay Dorado and Grand Metalik standing right next to each other. Lindsay Dorado speaks perfect English. Grand Metalik, <laughs> not so much. Like he's from LA, <laughs> right? Exactly, right? So, if and King Cuerno, or, or sorry, uh, Fantasma speaks yeah. these in English. So I'm yeah. I'm sitting here going, don't take the mask off of him because you no? can still get the English promos out of him. Mm. I think where and look at Rey Mysterio, look at Kalisto, the ones that have done well in WWE. They've all been masked and they all spoke really good English. You know what? It's funny. Sincara, you could throw in there as well. And and this Even is probably Dominic. This, this might piss off a lot of lucha libre purists, and I and sure. I deeply apologize. I'm also not a fan of his mask. Um, and did and you I like do, his King Cuerno mask in Lucha Underground? I loved his King Cuerno, the mask. red and black checker thing that he had. And also, it was it it felt really tight on his face. Yeah. You know, the small the mouth opening, everything like it, it felt it felt stronger. The the fantastic like it's based on the old comic book character the Phantom his yeah. his current mask right, and it just doesn't pop in the same way. And 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 I know that's just, it's a personal aesthetic. I want to put that out there. Forgive me if you know you're a fan of Lucha Libre and, and I'm not I'm not trying to disrespect him in that in that way. I'm just talking from an aesthetic standpoint. For me as a viewer, this is not selling him as well as his natural face, which is you know he he looks a little bit like a more rugged Rush. Um, I would say even like a, like a better looking rush, like he's a he's a handsome dude, and when you have the option of a mask that I don't think pops in the same way as your face does, and I've seen you in a mask that in a mask that does pop, it to me it's like why why not put his best foot forward? Sure. 
So I'm, but that's why with the mask pulling, I'm wondering if that's on the table. Like there's going to be an unmasking angle for him at some point, and that's going to be what they use to get him over. Yeah. Which I think it would. I mean, we haven't seen an unmasking angle in a while, and I, I think it would be a really good opportunity to have one. I wouldn't be mad at it. So just it, it, it really, you know, it, it is part of lore in, in Lucha Libre history of unmaskings being very, very big deals. And I don't know exactly. that we've ever had one of those that could be that big of a deal as someone of his of his tenure. So I, I don't know. You know, it would be someone on the level of Rey Mysterio. Mm-hmm. You know, well, they did the fact, they did the fact that to... La Sombra took his mask off when he came to WWE. When he was when he went to the main roster, he was still coming out in his black and white uh, mask, and he would kneel down and yeah, and pull the off. mask off and come up. And I'm like, oh, something like that. that? Cool. Could you do a mix of both? I don't know. I, I, yeah. I it's compelling. I'll, I'll give it that. It's I, the idea of this whole being a whole phantasma unmasking is, is definitely compelling. I had not thought through through all of that yet, but yeah, it could be a good. Yeah, and and uh, you know, Andy actually said in the chat that uh, maybe Fantasma doesn't want to take off his mask, and uh, he's already unmasked before. He unmasked an Impact. He's been yeah. unmasked. It's not like you know something he's never done. Maybe he wants to roll it back. I don't know, but he was. Uh, they did try to kidnap him. The parking lot bandits. You'd think they'd get some security. <laughs> the parking lot bandits tried to <laughs> try to pick him up too, take him to wherever they took Raul Mendoza and whoever else they stole. So who are these masked men? Uh, Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart had a tag team match against Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai, who finally got a win. Uh, I'm not sure what the ultimate goal is here. They're just keeping this rolling. Feels um, like treading water at this point. I'm, I'm over does, it. It does a little bit, yeah. Um, Mia Yim beat Jesse Kamea, and then Charlotte came out to call her a, quote, good hand, and accepted her, uh, 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 Mia Yim accepted Charlotte's challenge. So, uh, was that mm, calling Mia Yim a good hand? Is that cutting a little bit clo- too close to the bone there? I mean, obviously it's wrestling. That's that's good grist, but sure, I think it's meant to antagonize her to the point that she would do that. Or it's a good heel line, right? It's a good to, heel to line. To downplay also, your opponent like that and be like, eh, also I'm not dangerous. really taking you that seriously. But on the flip side, when Mia Yim does lay into oh. her at some point, um, it's you know, I, I could see this being good. And it, it also gets our defenses up in a way. Uh, you know, we, we start to get defensive for me again. No, she's really good. Do you not know about her before she got to NXT? <laughs> and, uh, we start to get all defensive for, for Mia, and we get invested in this whole thing. I think that's what it was for. It was to, it was to poke and prod mm-hmm. the, the smarks that sure. know about Mia Yim before Mia Yim got to uh, NXT. So. The, the the danger is is that it becomes a tagline that sticks, right? Yeah. Rock called uh, Billy Gunn boring, and it just kind of stuck. It well, ruined. He was. Him. That's the problem. Mia Yim is a good hand, and she, I don't see her ever getting a title match or a title actual title run. So that's what I'm saying is dangerous. Yeah. If they had a woman's mid card title, I could see Mia Yim winning that, but I don't ever see Mia Yim being the champ. So that's what I'm saying. You're cutting a little bit too close to the bone there, and running the risk of actually pigeonholing somebody. Because you're gonna, you're gonna. She's not gonna be Charlotte for the title. No. You're gonna prove Charlotte right. Charlotte's uh, gonna have a long Alexa, reign here, guys. Alexa Bliss saying Bailey is a wuss who can't get the job done, and then having Bailey lose because she's a wuss and can't get the job done, kills her. <laughs> you just yeah. killed Bailey. Yeah. Calling Mia Yim a good hand who can't beat a champ, and then she goes on and can't beat can't beats the champ. Sasha Banks can't defend her title. She can win, but she can't defend. And then you go and have Alexa Bliss 
beat Sasha immediately because she can't hold on to a title. You have to be careful about what you prove, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, we had a little video package. Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae had a nice little word, having a nice little dinner together. Candice with her new hair and her new, her new evil black lipstick. Ooh, she's so evil. I hated this. She went to Hot Topic and got some dark lipstick. She's so edgy. Nick. As good of a package as it was, I want to give credit to the the people the, put it together. Yeah, how well it was put together as a video. Uh, I this is not. If you had told me six months ago this is where Johnny Gargano would end up, I would have said no. Yeah. No, don't do and this. You know, it's it's funny because I'm trying to pick apart what didn't work for me because. Johnny's performance is there. He's a, he's a great performer. He's good at, at seeming passionate and unhinged at the same time. And they had the little like special effect where it went from being like a sweet dinner with like nice music in the background to like black and white and it's getting warped and you know the screeching sound. So it's it, it feels like they're getting unhinged and Candace is bitter because you know she was being the big sister to all the girls and they didn't give anything back to her. So it's the logic is there, the performance was there, as you said, the editing of the video package was there. So I was trying to put my finger on what didn't work. And I my think wrestling. it's just it's, it's not it's, what I want. <laughs> but it's no because I know I'm I'm not even mad at them like any of the you take any of the components. I'm not wrong with them being heels. I, it's not that I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with Candace turning heel for these reasons. Johnny being a heel for these reasons. But somewhere in there it just felt too on the nose. It felt a little bit to pandering isn't the word, but it just it it felt obvious. Produced. It felt produced. It felt trite. You know what I mean? It yep. didn't. It didn't have that punch. It didn't have that visceral feeling. It just never got there, and I and I can't put my finger on why. Maybe it's just because there was they just like them as heels weren't turned up enough to eleven. And I'm not talking about the performance. They definitely were. You know, all there in terms of their intensity. But Candace doesn't feel like a true heel yet. You know, like Dakota Kai took her a couple of weeks to kind of settle into that heel role. Now she feels like a heel. Candace changed her hair to purple and put on some dark lipstick. And all of a sudden we're supposed to think that she's a heel. It doesn't feel that way yet. She can say whatever she wants. She can have all the intensity. But it just didn't, it doesn't feel there. It feels like, it feels like Emma trying to, trying to, you know, go heel. That's perfect. That's what she that's, felt like. That's to me. perfect. And Emma eventually came around to her gimmick, but it's just, I think she was just so bitter. It just ended up seeping into her character. But having, like, right when she went from, like, bubbly Emma to, like, I'm dark Emma. And it's just, are you, sweetie? Oh, look at you with your yeah. dark lipstick. Oh, you're so edgy. You know, it's, you know what it is? It's the high school movie. It's the high school movie where the cheerleader decides that she wants to get edgy. And so she goes, like she goes to like her goth friend, and she's like, "Hey, I want to be dark and edgy." Do you have any black and the, lace and lipstick? Right. Yeah. Right. And she comes back out in like in like the goth makeup, and you're like, "Oh, come on! You're just doing that to get the edgy guy who's the rock star. You're not really that way. You're gonna go back home to your room and have all the My Little Ponies and pink curtains and frilly bed sheets. You're not really that person." And you look around their house, and like it doesn't feel like they've suddenly become like heels in their house. It's like they're still living in a nice apartment. Like, oh, yeah, how edgy are you? So I yeah, somewhere this didn't connect, Nick. And maybe it's hashtag wrestling, but maybe it's also like it's just, I don't know. I would love to hear how other people took this because it just didn't 
didn't work. Well, since you said that, line drive with another four ninety nine super chat. Thank you very Thank much, you. sir. Uh, it says regardless, much. this change for Candace will work regardless, since she's going from no character to having one now. Tying Candace to Johnny is a mistake. It's funny, actually, because I think this the whole point of this was to tie them together. And one thing that they mentioned was they want to become the first married champions. Johnny Johnny wants to win the NXT championship, and sh- and then Candice wants to win the women's championship, and they'll be the first ever married champions, which, you know, people call their shots in NXT, and they tend to happen. Look at Undisputed Era. Um, so I understand why they're keeping Candice and Johnny's story. It didn't make sense for so long for Candice to be with a heel. If they're going to stick with Johnny's heel character, it doesn't make sense to have Candice not be a heel too. Candice turning heel isn't my problem. It's how she's coming across. You know, Does that I, make sense? I, I'm going to be petty and and just say I still feel like it's very – I'm going to fully admit it's, it's my wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it has everything to do with the level of investment coming out of that feud with AOP. Champa, yeah. Champa turning – the whole storyline. The whole next year of storyline that we got and two beyond. Years. Two, two years. Two years yeah. that we got out of it with Champa going out with Nexter. And, like, we got up to that point with Champa coming back, and it was so utterly goddamn brilliant. Champa coming back, dragging the crutch to the silence and booze. And we got to all. Look, I'm not going to replay the entire thing here, but it was so good. We were so invested, <laughs> right. and we never got closure. And then all of a sudden we come back from Champa's neck surgery and he's a face. Yeah. And I've been confused from that point yeah. forward, and I've I've not gotten closure from the previous it hasn't thing, and felt, I've not been able to invest in anything. It since. hasn't felt a hundred percent organic. Yeah. The first three quarters did, and then just uh, they they lost the rhythm of paddling the boat at some point, and then this never quite got it back. Um yeah, again, like I said, it, it, it absolutely is hashtag more wrestling because, like yeah. I said, every individual aspect of this taken on its own was fine. It's just it didn't, it didn't gel. It didn't come together. Um, and it, it really was real hard. It was hard to pay attention with Johnny Gargano's cup, his, his crotch cup, his jock sitting on the table and under glass. <laughs> just like, what? what? You can't. Dude, I swear to God, if... If Ciampa has a crutch and Johnny's gimmick becomes the cup, I'm going to lose my damn mind. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I, I find myself not even trying. choking them out with the cup. Yeah, <laughs> with the smell of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's uh, like the, Nakazawa it's, with the. Yeah, the, or, or Mr. Sako. You're right. Yeah, maybe we'll start calling Johnny Mr. Jocko. Oh, God. I just, I want to invest, but I can't, I can't. Mm, make myself invest yeah maybe maybe we'll care maybe we'll grow into it uh also it looks like matt matt riddle might have to grow into his tag team with timothy thatcher because maybe it's because it was just after 420 and he was still high but he was telling timothy thatcher that uh every time he looked at him he was just reminded of stallion pete his partner pete dunn timothy thatcher is just like dude i'm your tag team partner now deal with it and matt's like yeah but stallion pete every time i look into your Big beautiful blue eyes. I think of Stallion Pete and Timothy's like, my eyes are brown, dude. It's like, yep, they sure are, man. Uh, 
Is there a reason that Riddle's trying to piss off Thatcher here? Because I wouldn't want to piss off Thatcher. He'll eat you. I mean, it, it feels like they're steering into a breakup and a feud of some sort. And, you know, if we dude, if we have a feud between Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher. Yeah, I'm in. You know, you know, what we say on this show, Nick. Yeah. Put it, put it in, in my, my eye holes. holes. Put it in my eye holes. This is one of the reasons that I originally said I wasn't a fan. You guys that have been here for a while will remember that I wasn't a fan of the pairing of the two random singles guys of Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle. Yep. And, you know, at some point that has to end and they have to go back to being single stars. And that all happened before we got to situation we're all in right now. And I, I don't, I'm sitting here feeling a little bit vindicated because I'm, see, I told you. You know, it's like what, what? what did we have? We we had to do this same shit with Ricochet and Alistair Black. Like they just split them up for no reason, and they went off, and they like it didn't have an end. This isn't going to have an end either. The it best might, thing that's happened is Thatcher's come over. We might end up with a Riddle Thatcher feud. Well, that's because of the quarantine and Pete Dunne being in London, man. And, and they're going to have more. They've become a better tag team than Ricochet and Alistair ever were. Sure. I mean, in ter- I, I, I don't mean in terms of work rate. I just mean in terms of how they work as a tag team. Like they're actually like a tag team. Ricochet and Alistair felt like two singles guys are put together. At this point, Pete and Riddle actually feel like a tag team. Okay. Just saying. I'm just saying. Okay. But, uh, yeah, Nick, NXT was hit and miss, but, man, the hits were bigger. The misses were much wider over on Friday Night SmackDown. I uh, am not ready. Oh, man. Oh man, <laughs> uh, we're we're gonna start with the end. I thought and I work was our way backwards. Yes, we are. We have to start with the end of this. We have to. I'm I'm still I'm still I'm still something. I'm still twisted. Apparently, after all of this hoopla, all this build uh, for have we're gonna have a Triple H 25th anniversary spectacular. We're gonna celebrate 25 years of the game. And how are we gonna celebrate this? A roast. We're going to have a painful roast of Triple H with no laugh track, total silence, and awkwardness, awkwardness, awkwardness. If you like awkward humor, you might have found some things to like here. And there were funny moments. I, I like the nostalgia of it. Reddit I'll, I'll, there was you know, nostalgia that was fun. Yeah. But at the same, this was bizarre. What a bizarre concept let's i mean i felt actually nick i felt at some points like they were intentionally trying to bomb the segment was written that at the end vince comes out and pulls the plug because it's so bad he compared vince came out at the end after all the rest of the stuff we'll we'll talk about and vince talked about some stuff and i'll get back into that but hang on before we get into details hang on one second I just want to say he com- Vince Car- compared this to Katie Vick, the gobbledygooker, and Bailey. This is your life as three other segments that bombed. When I first started, well, I start. We started seeing the stuff on social media that they were going to have a 25th anniversary special for yep. Triple H. I read into that as uh, a, a behind the scenes, a 24 of something. Yeah, a chronicle on Triple something, a video package, some special, right? Yes. And then they open up Friday Night SmackDown with. Tonight, we celebrate the 25th anniversary of the game, Triple H. And I'm like, oh, are they just going to show an hour and 40 minutes of Triple H matches or highlights and throughout his career? Is that going to be SmackDown tonight? That might have been better. 
then just kind of what they did. Then, they, they well, but, they like, gave us little little samples here and there sprinkled within throughout stuff. But I they, thought well, they, like, they were like know. they did they they inverted what it would have normally been, which is hey, check out like all the the great old bits that D. So you know he starts talking he. The funny bits getting out of the ring, like the, he goes to do his like normal like water spit take, and they pull the water out of his hands, and like one of the PAs runs off with it with the mask on. I thought and that he's was like, funny. Oh, I don't, I don't get to do that. That was to me, that was the funniest gag. Yeah, that was by far the funniest gag. Um, and he gets in and he starts talking about, you know, wow, twenty five years, it's crazy. And before he can get too far, Shawn Michaels comes out. Shawn Michaels comes out and gets in the ring with him. And I've never noticed how much of a little Triple H Shawn Michaels has started to look like until now, and it's kind of weird and creepy. But um, Shawn Michaels starts busting his balls, and we start doing some retrospectives. Hey, remember all those good times we had as DX? And they show a DX blooper reel of them screwing up and having, like, you know, spit takes and bumbling their lines, and that's all it is. They don't show, like, all the cool things DX did. They just show the bumbling mistakes. Then they say, oh, yeah, Triple H, you've been in all these WrestleManias. What a career. And then they show every time Triple H has lost WrestleMania, which is, like, 14 times. Um, and then um, I'm trying to remember what else they busted his balls on. Uh they oh they had they they had Triple H start looking at like people started calling Triple H right Sean's like oh yeah then you married Stephanie Stephanie calls Triple H and he's got her on Stephanie FaceTime. no fun and uh, right and uh, the ca- like he holds the camera so the camera can see that there these people are actually FaceTiming in live which is a cool trick by the way and that took a little bit of wrangling I I, I assure you if you're watching out there in TV, TV land them getting everyone to FaceTime right at the right time was probably a, a tough I feel they like got, this was, had, was pre recorded. They had Stephanie, they had Ric Flair, uh, they had Road Dog all call in and kind of bust Triple H's balls a little bit. The Stephanie bit was great because you had Shawn Michaels mocking her in the background. She's like, it's live, Shawn. I can see you. Triple H, would you would you tell that that uh, cross, or what does she call him? Lazy-eyed. Uh, lazy, lazy-eyed, no good son of a Triple H. I'll talk to you later, honey. I'll talk to you later. Shawn's like, she say hi? She was like, oh, yeah, she, yeah, she said hi. Again, there were little bits that were funny, but it got real awkward real quick. And then after all of this, Vince comes out and starts rambling. I can, I can use no other word for it than rambling where he starts talking about, like he doesn't just bring up all of the other segments that were as bad as this segment. He goes into detail describing them, which is the most like, out of touch grandpa thing I can imagine. Is he burying himself? He was like, oh, once upon a time. You know, the, these days to be able to do a good Vince McMahon impression, which I do not claim to do, you need to have so much goddamn phlegm. It's unbelievable. But it's a uh, back in the day, we did a, we had a great idea, the SummerSlam. And we're going to have Survivor Series. We're going to have the gobbledygooker. We had a big old egg. And out of this egg, the gobbledygooker was going to come out. It's going to be the greatest thing ever. And nobody but, cheered. Uh, it, and nobody, nobody cheered. Booed. Nobody booed. Just kind of like your career. And it just, he went on and on. He started talking about the Katie Vick. What if I, there you were, buck ass naked, mannequin kind of thing. And he just went on and on and on talking about the Katie Vick segment. Bailey, this is your life. But it wasn't Bailey's fault. So nice to know that he absolved Bailey at least for the Bailey, this is your life segment. But it's, it felt, did you ever see that meme of like Steve Buscemi in the backwards hat and be like, hello, fellow kids, you know, like trying to be like the cool kid and fit in? That's what Vince felt like here. He felt like the guy, like the old grandpa trying to still be cool and be like, yeah, see, I got it. All right, the Bailey segment, it was bad, wasn't it? <laughs> I knew it was bad. <laughs> see, you all, you all get on me on social media because you think I don't know, but I know. <laughs> it's like that's, 
Uh, Vince, that <laughs> dude, no, this just got real painful. They all said, and then they also they all said they, they loved each other, which was sweet and touching, but then awkward. And Vince said, "Okay, cool, uh, wrap it up, we're done." And it ended with Vince walking out, and the lights all just started like get cut. And Triple H is like, "Wow, is he really just? He's kicking us out, huh?" Yeah, he's kicking us out. The lights start going out. Goes to black. We hear the sound of crickets, and that was the segment. And you hear one of them say, "Do you hear crickets? Do you hear crickets?" I, I, I just. That was the thing that pushed me over the edge, and I busted out laughing in a way of like, I can't believe what I just watched. Y- yes. And, and I haven't had a chance to go back and see it again. It is on my list of stuff to, to do tonight um, to go back and watch again because I want to really look at this. You know, I don't really know how to take this. I wanted, I love a good roast. Don't get me wrong. It was Same. hard to do lo- it without any kind of audience and any kind of stuff, and I loved the things that they were calling back to because there's this lore that Triple H is the golden shovel and sure. buries people for his own sake, and the fact that they flipped that on us and showed not highlights, but lowlights of all of his losses at WrestleMania. Yeah. I-, I felt like that was a little, you know... Uh, yeah, we show, hear you show out all there. of the show all the people that he bears. Show, show CM, show yeah. him beating CM Punk. Show him beating Booker T. Then I'll give you credit for that. But yeah. again, Nick, as you said, I too like a good roast. Emphasis on good. This was a roast, and it was more missed than hit. I understand what they were going for here. They were trying to have some levity. They didn't want to come across like it's it's already pretentious enough to be like, hey, we're going to have a 25th anniversary special for me, Triple H. That's all. You're already. That's all, right? Aren't I amazing? Much. Don't I deserve this? Yes, I'm amazing. Look at me. But I almost wonder if I wouldn't have rather had a 10-minute montage of all the great things that Triple H has done in his career because he has genuinely done a bunch of great yes. things and had a bunch of amazing matches. And you could have taken me down nostalgia lane and I'd have been like, oh, man, yeah, Triple H did. He'd have a really, he's had a really great career so far. I get what they were going for with this. It was it's very much like Triple H and Sean humor. This felt like DX humor, at least later like dad humor. You know what I mean? Yep. This felt like a a, a twenty minute dad joke. How about that? Yep. It felt like a twenty minute dad joke, and then Vince came out and it became a five minute grandpa joke, which is really bad. It's so bad it makes dads cringe. Uh, and then that was it. This wasn't and for everybody. This was for us. Sure not. Surely it not. was for those of us that have been along for the ride since the mid '90s, and you know that 10-year stretch from '95 to like 2005 of just like all Triple H all the time. Yeah, uh, that's what they were calling back to a lot of things on. So I, I don't know how this went over with the mainstream, the filthy casuals, as I refer to audience that's watching Fox at. 9 not 45 at night like there must have been so many people watching this just going what the f- am i watching just scratching what their the- head not understanding it but that was like i feel like this would have gone over so much better as a special on the network a 30 minute special a 60 minute special whatever like you said a nostalgia track here's all the great accomplishments here's all the things he's implemented since becoming coo and being vince mcmahon mcmahon's number two for the last 10 plus years like all of right. those things like show it if you're gonna honor somebody honor them roasting is different this is but this felt like they were honoring triple honoring triple h in their own way you know what i mean i here's the thing nick i know what they were going for yeah me too it didn't work and and the thing is is that wwe has always had a problem with comedy largely because vince's sense of humor is bizarre 
it's it's notoriously strange and it's yeah. if it ain't something that he thinks is funny it ain't getting on the air and this felt like it had Vince's hands in it where he was like this will be funny the kids will love it uh, or he's like intentionally like will intentionally bomb and that's funny because it's a it's a prank on the audience right yeah but there are times in WWE where comedy works the Big E is hilariously funny uh, the Fashion Files was hilariously funny Southpaw Wrestling is hilariously funny there is comedy in the WWE that works. It's just usually the subversive kind that it seems like they just kind of do on the side on their own and they don't, you know, the higher ups don't realize that it's funny or that it's there until they have something on their hands and then they try to get their fingers in it. Yeah. This Ew. felt like this felt like they were trying to be funny and this just didn't that's not how comedy works. Yeah. This was this this was comedy, this was bad comedy. Uh, before we move on, uh, line drive, another 199 super chat. Thank you, thank sir. Thank you, sir. Uh, he says, thank Vince ever much. tells thank Shane you, you. he loves him on TV like he did Triple H? Uh, the, I'm, I do not believe Vince has ever said the word love and Shane in the same sentence. But if you want to know why Shane continuously tries to kill himself by falling off of, off of high objects, now you know. Because his daddy doesn't love him. And that's why Triple H, Triple H works very slow matches. Yeah, because Daddy loves him. Oh, Triple H won't. He, Triple H won't even do ladder matches. He's like, "Hey, man, that's for ladder guys. I'm not a ladder guy." How? Like, yeah, you don't. You don't have to jump off a ladder. Vince loves you. How could they go through this whole thing and not show? Especially since Stephanie was a big part of it. How could they not show the DX oh, highlight God. of them drugging Stephanie the, on the eve Your of favorite. her wedding to Your test favorite. and taking her to Vegas and me. Yes, I love this man of mine. <laughs> <laughs> I applaud your Beetlejuice reference. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on to the rest of SmackDown. We had uh, a whole bunch of stuff going on in the tag team division, Nick. A whole bunch of stuff. New Day came out to celebrate their new title win, which was just bizarre. Uh, Lucha House Party, of all people, came out to say that, hey, we want to have a shot at your tag team titles, even though we totally lost to the Forgotten Sons last week. But what the heck? Lucha House Party, like you said, Lindsey Dorado spoke. He said stuff. It was good. It was awkward, but it wasn't bad. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't get enough time to really learn how to be good on the mic, so what do you I expect? had to look at the mask closely. I was like, wait, is that Kalisto? No, that's Lindsey. Oh, wow, he actually well, can cut a promo. You can, well, you could tell Lindsey was also stalling for time because at a certain point he was like, yeah, and I also think that turning around, looking around behind him because he's waiting for the Q. Miz and Morrison finally show up, and they come out, interrupt them, come down to the ring and said, you never really beat us as a tag team. We're a they tag a team. You be, it's a great point. They're completely right. Um, but they were interrupted by, they're all interrupted. Everyone gets in the ring, gets in each other's face. They're all interrupted by the Forgotten Sons, Nick's favorite tag team, who come down to the ring and say, hey, guess what, everybody? We're Marines, in case you forgot. By the way, we're Marines. Well, two out of the three of us are, but we're Marines. We served our country, so we want tag team titles. Some might even call us savages. Dude, Wes, when did Wesley Blake revert in his in his mic skills? Holy crap! I, I, he he that, he did not look good here on the mic. How, what I want to know is how where your head was at t within twenty four hours removed from Nick booking when this Forgotten Sons came out. Oh, I I, I had a shudder in the right side of my body. <laughs> like I one of my feet started kicking. I stood up and went, "Oh shit, it's happening." 
Uh, yeah. I, listen, I, I had, love I Jackson. I love Jackson's jab at Miz for his shitty Marine movies. I thought that was that was that clever. Was you play a Marine. We're actually Marines. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that could have gone. There's, that, that has legs. They could play into that a little bit more. Um, Can, no, I, could they really? Could this, they really? This I don't know. This was all a little cringy. I, I, it, we had a match later on. Lucha House Party versus Miz and Morrison. Lucha House Party with a sneak victory. Grand Metal League pins the Miz. Mm. Whoa. Hello. Interesting. Um, not sure why they would have Miz and Morrison say, well, you never beat us as tag team, as a tag team, and then have them beaten by Lucha House Party later in the in the, in the the night. You didn't call attention to the fact that the, that the Suns beat down both Everybody. New Day and Lucha House Party before they ever had that match. While Miz I just, and, well, I was, getting, I was getting to that because that's, oh, okay. I really want to talk about that more than Miz and Morrison losing to Lucha, Lucha House Party. Right. Um, the fact that you've got the Forgotten Sons now looking like savages um, and beating everyone down, Jackson Riker standing tall. I can almost imagine Vince in the back going, look at that boy. Him in the back going, Vump. <laughs> the nipples are erect. Yes. Main event of WrestleMania for this one. Go, oh, God, no. No, no, that's Nick booking. No, don't you look at me like that. It's never going to happen. Um, all right, so who's getting the first shot at New Day here? Are we looking at a multi-tag thing? Lucha House Party just beat Miz and Morrison, so even yep. though they lost to Forgotten Sons last week, they've got one up on Miz and Morrison. Well, theoretically, Lucha House Party is now, Lindsay and Grand Metalik are, they've beaten Miz and Morrison, so now they, they appear to be next in line to the New right. Day to get the championships. But the Forgotten Sons beat down the New Day, so now they have beef. Miz and Morrison also have beef because they never really lost the, cha the championships in a tag match. Is this a way to have a multi-tag match where now everybody's got beef? I'm totally fine with this. Uh, I know Heavy Machinery is off doing something else right now, so I'm kind of giving that Usos. a pass. But where are they Usos? at? Where are the Usos, right? Here's what I will say. I was starting to get really, really low on the fact that it's been the same three teams kind of just circling those titles for the better part of a year now. Now we're introducing Lucha House Party Forgotten Sons. We've got Miz and Morrison in the picture now over the last couple of months. Uh, okay, let's get some new blood injected into these. We needed to give New Day their all-time, you know, winningest tag team stat. Check. Not there yet. Done. They're not, they're not there yet. What? I that, thought they, eight, they two, eight two was more. the one. Oh, they got nine to ten? Nine is the Dudleys, yeah. Okay. For some reason, I thought... Okay. They have the Never longest mind. reign. Uh, they're up there in terms of numbers of reigns, but they still got a couple more to go. Yeah. Um, we've got a match coming up that has a bunch of ladders in it, and I'm sitting here going, hmm, yes, please. Could we do something? We just had a ladder match, though, for the championships. I'm smelling a gauntlet match, to be honest with you. Something, yeah, but something that kind you of just invalidates all of have... them at one time, and I, I don't... Yeah, uh... but I'm thinking about a way you can have all of these teams in a match, but not have to all be in the ring at the same time so that you don't get you know, called out for social distancing stuff. They, they had them all in the ring at one point in this, in this bit. Yeah. Which is not lucha lit, by the way. Um, so, which is a, which is up there with good lucha things for awful lines that have the word lucha in it. I swear to God, the fact that they made poor grand, poor uh, Lindsay Dorado say that's lucha lit. I, 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 if you listen to the show, if you're the writer, if you are the writer in WWE who wrote the line lucha lit to give to Lindsay Dorado to say, and you're listening to the show right now, I want you to know. I hate you. I actively hate you, and I want to eat your children. If I find you, I'm going to throw you off a bridge. And it might be into a river just because I'm not a bad guy. Right. But at the same time, I'm going to throw you off a bridge. It's going to be cold water. It's going to be really uncomfortable. 
And I want you to know that that discomfort that you feel when you finally hit that cold river water after I throw you off the bridge is the way I felt when I heard that goddamn line, Lucha Lit, come out of Lindsay Dorado's poor mouth. You savage. And if it's you, Vince, I'm going to throw you off the bridge twice. <laughs> it's good shit, pal. God damn it. Oh, that was terrible. Um, I, here's, not, my, here's my thing. Throw them all in there, fatal four-way, whatever. We can certainly do that. Whoever doesn't win feels immediately invalidated, and we're back to square one with, okay, who's next, and we have to start completely over. I want to take my time with this. Run this out to SummerSlam. Tell me some stories. Have some opposing singles matches. Build feuds. I don't understand why we immediately, bang, WrestleMania was two weeks ago. Why do we already have to have a giant gauntlet match with all the teams in the division all in at once and the winner takes all kind of thing? Like, well, we're right back to square one next week. So I, I would rather see them take their time. I'd rather we, we got nothing better to do right now. Take your time. Build some stories. Have some matches. Have some feuds. Have Jackson and Miz go at each other for who's the better Marine. I don't oh, know. God. Get no. silly with it. You're just still in Nick booking mode, aren't you? I feel like I, we are I, I we want are building something other than what everybody thinks is inevitably going to happen where we're going to have all the teams in there at one time. But now they're, but they're building beef. They're building beef between the teams, right? Sure. The New Day got beaten up. By the Forgotten Sons. Lince Dorado and Grand Metal League have a win over Miz and Morrison. Uh, Miz and Morrison never feel like they really lost the titles. We're starting to build feuds. Now they all have reasons to hate each other. So I in the next in that two sense, weeks from tomorrow, by the time we get to Money in the Bank, who do you think is going to be challenging New Day for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships? Everybody. Everyone's going to have beef with them now. And they're all going to have reason to hate each other too. I'll be so. upset if at Money in the Bank we're having a match that big. Well, for, prepare, for to yeah. prepare to be upset. Prepare to be upset. We're also having a match between Bailey and Tamina. Great. But that's not what happened this week. It was uh, Sasha versus Lacey Oof. in the ring with Bailey on the side of the ring. Bailey, however, costing Sasha the match accidentally, where uh, she tried to get involved. The ref went over. Sasha had uh, Lacey pinned for like 10 seconds. Ref didn't see it because he was being distracted by Bailey. Bailey was trying to get the ref to look around. But by the time the ref turned around, Sasha eats a woman's right. Goes down one, two, three. She's mad at Bailey as they go up the ramp, disgruntled and pissed off. Uh, Tamina ends up super kicking Bailey, and Sasha kind of looks at her crumpled on the ground and goes, "Huh, well that happened." Uh, we're still we're still propping everything up with Lacey by having uh, Sasha come out fanning herself with a picture of Lacey's daughter. Lacey did grab that picture back from Sasha before and and pinned her while holding it. Well, she also, um, in case you missed it, she was she had it crumpled up in her hand when she hit Sasha with the woman's right. I thought that oh, was she? that's a nice touch. I thought nice that was touch. a nice nice little touch cute. there. Cute, it's a cute touch. It's it's cute. cute. That's that's cute. Um, yeah, I'm not mad at Lacey. You know, them them putting her over as the face mom marine thing. Fine, that's that's fine. I I think this is actually the best character she's had since she's shown up because it's not it's not that silly catwalk thing they had her doing at the beginning. So that's that's fine. She does. I think she works as a face right now against Sasha and Bailey. But the, my question is: is we got Tamina and Bailey at Money in the Bank? Is Lacey then after that? What, okay, if if Sasha and Bailey have a breakup, as it seems to be telegraphing us that they're going to, which is just uh, uh, that we then have Sasha and Bailey for the title. Is Lacey out in the dark then? 
what's the whole point of this if that's the case? Is Sasha going to turn face if that's the case? Should Sasha Banks should Sasha be a face in that scenario again already? She's going to, yeah. Should she though? She, she's she's the new women's big show, I guess. Flip flopping. Uh, oh God! At this point, it's a flyer at this point. But I feel like after last night, we might get surprised, and Lacey Evans might be Money in the Bank winner. Women's Money in the Bank match. I know right. you got Nia in there. I know you got Shayna in there. Neither one of them need it. They'd be they'd be decent with it, but I don't I don't need them to have that kind of underdog opportunity. Lacey, I feel like would actually be a decent Money in the Bank her- carrier. Well, let's let's talk about uh, some Money in the Bank qualifiers. We had uh, King Corbin beating Drew Gulak to qualify for Money in the Bank. Which is interesting because it looks like we're turning into a feud between Corbin and Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan was uh, ringside the Artist Collective, uh, which is Nakamura and Cesaro, came and beat him up and helped him uh, take this match. And then Corbin laid a beat down on uh, Drew Gulak after the match, after he ended up giving him the uh, end of days. So do you see a a feud happening happening with Corbin and Bryan? Should that be the feud or should we stick with uh, Bryan versus Sami Zayn, Nakamura, Cesaro? I don't know. This is much like the uh, the beginning of NXT. This felt like it's kind of all... There's a lot of stuff happening. And in, for the most part, I kind of like that. I like the fact that Corbin is just asserting dominance. You know, at just wherever he goes, whatever he does. New Terminator. He He's looking the, strong. Drop the royalty strong. thing. Now we're just doing Terminator Baron Corbin. Mm. Um, and then the, the whole thing with Sammy... Not Sammy. Uh, Cesaro and Nakamura effectively kidnapping Daniel Bryan over the barricades and then having uh, Gulak lose. I, I don't know. That, that doesn't automatically mean a Daniel Bryan-Baron Corbin match slash feud in my mind. Except, I don't know that where they have, except they have a match next week between Baron Corbin and Daniel Bryan. They're both okay. in the Money in the Bank competition, and they need to have little mini stories in that, so that seems to me like where they're going with it. As yeah. far as the royalty thing, I mean, Baron Corbin's not losing the royalty thing anytime soon, Nick, and, and I know it... I know it galls you because basically his royalty gimmick is kind of like if Uwe Ball did Game of Thrones. Right. But at the same time, he's stuck with it for right now, and at least they're making him look vicious. So I'm curious where they're going with that. Uh, we also had a women's tag team championship match, Alexa Bliss and, and Nikki Cross versus Carmella and Dana Brooke. Dana Brooke qualified for Money in the Bank last week. Carmella has a match next week against Mandy Rose to determine who's going to Money in the Bank. And uh, they're continuing to have the two kind of snipe at each other. Dana Brooks saying, t- telling Carmella, I hope you're not distracted about your match next week so we can actually win this championship match tonight, which was, of course, calling back to something Carmella said to Dana. Blah, blah, blah. He said, she said. But at the end of the day, I like the fact that it's at least, Nick, it's women having some sort of like, beef with each other over matches, winning matches, etc. Um, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross debuted their new finishing move which is kind of like a, a 3D, only instead of a cutter, it's a DDT, which, was, all right. I liked it. It was all right. I, they'll get better at it. Uh, yeah. I think it's interesting to have Alexa have to do a move. Five-foot-tall Alexa Bliss has to do a move. She has to reach up and get her arm over someone's neck and bring it down. Like, that's... Logistically, you've made it hard on yourself there, Alexa. <laughs> but then again, not like Nikki is exactly a giant either, so maybe it'll work. I don't yeah. know. Um, so yeah, Carmella and Dana Brooke, if, if Carmella wins her match next week, you have another 
bit of a feud going into Money in the Bank between Carmella and Dana Brooke. I think that's good writing. They've been building that for a while. Some good foresight there on their part on SmackDown. Also, foresight, we're seeing a long build towards Sheamus and Jeff Hardy. Uh, Sheamus had another match where he killed Daniel Vido, uh, who I doubt anyone's really seen before, Nick. No. Have, you, have you seen him before? I, don't, I have not, no. Um, well, he's actually a former rugby player. Um, if you ever watch rugby, he used to, he used to play for a lot of Australian teams, uh, Canberra Raiders, Brisbane Broncos, Gold I, Coast I, I Titans. thought it was another Roman Reigns cousin, um, you know. Well, he did, he did represent Samoa in international rugby. He right. played, uh, for the Salford Red Devils English Super League. So he's been around since 2018 NXT, um, he, uh, you, if you saw, if you ever went to, uh, if you're one of our Australian listeners, if you went to see them in Australia, he's one of the, they brought him out because I, he's a bigger star over there because rugby. Um, and they actually even had news about him debuting on SmackDown, which is ironic because, you, you know, they're making news in Australia. Hey, we have Australian rugby players finally showing up on SmackDown and he's just going to get squashed by Sheamus. Um, so yeah, it was, and it was Anzac Day in Australia. So it was, it was actually a big deal. It's like on Anzac Day, they have a, uh, an Australian actually now competing in WWE. Competing, I say. He got, he got absolutely murdered by Sheamus here. You know who else is Australian? Uh, who? My love. Yeah? Who's that? Tony Storm. Oh, my God. Why? We didn't have to bring her up. There was no reason to bring her up right now. Well, you're talking about Australian. It's all I could think about. It's nice to have you back, two back together. That's very sweet. I'm glad you two are uh, are are seeing eye to eye again after your very short breakup with your Line Dallas. drive with another 4.99 in the super chats. Thank you, sir. Uh, Seamus has gone so long without a story. He's turning into Heidenreich. <laughs> Next thing you know, he'll he'll abduct Cole. <laughs> Don't look in my eyes, Cole. Yeah. Keep your head down. Turn around, boy. Drop your trousers. Oh, be over in a moment. Oh, oh, oh okay. out there, boy. Okay, prison rape is not part of our. I'm about show to give here. you the broke dick. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so Seamus and Jeff. Jeff Hardy had another Ooh. fun little video talking about his redemption and coming back to WWE, ending in him and Matt showing up at WrestleMania and and a big uh, chills moment. That did, was almost. Did you notice how Matt music. Hardy was cut out of almost all of it? <laughs> yeah, of course he was barely in it. Almost, almost as many chills as everyone got imagining Seamus Heidenreiching uh, Michael Cole up against a wall in the back. Uh, let's talk about uh, the fact that next week we've got uh, we have Otis versus Dolph Ziggler and Mandy versus Mella. They are the last Money in the Bank qualifier matches. Right now, we've got in the men's Baron Corbin, Alistair Black, Daniel Bryan, Rey Mysterio, Apollo Cruz, and either Otis or Dolph Ziggler. In the women's, Oscar, Shayna, Nia Jax, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, and either Mandy or Carmella. Where they stand right now, now that we know that, what do you think? Who, who are your calls for each one here? Lacey Evans is kind of my current gut favorite for the women's. Rattle the men's off for really? me again so I make sure I don't. Alistair Black, Daniel Bryan, Alistair Rey Mysterio, yeah. Apollo Crews, and either Otis or Dolph Ziggler. Uh, Alistair, I Black, say, Alistair Black and Lacey Evans are my picks oh, and, right and, now. and Baron Corbin in the men's, too. And Baron, Baron yeah. Corbin. Um, I got to say, yeah, Alistair does, does look like a good one there, but I, I have a feeling it's going to be something like Apollo Crews or... Oh, that's tough. The men's is looking tough. 
Would they give it to Corbin again, I wonder? No. Huh. Uh, women's is looking interesting, too. They could conceivably give it to Lacey, and then she has a reason to go for Bailey, and then that can be the grist that drives Bailey and Sasha apart because they're always stressed about Lacey coming for them. So that seems like, that seems like a good pick, but as you said, Shayna doesn't need it, but I could also see Shayna with it. Yep. And I could see Nia with it, too, just to piss you off. Yep. And that's SmackDown, Nick. Oh, well, thank you very much, guys. We got to go pretty quick here. We're running long. We're going to move over and do our moment of positivity. Moment of positivity. The mop. That's right, Nick. The moment where we say we look back on everything that's happened since the last show in the world of wrestling and say, what was the thing that made us happy, that made us smile, that made us laugh, that gave us some little joy, a little bit of joy? What uh, what was your what was your number one moment of positivity these last few days here, Nick? I was scrolling back, looking through the note and remembering everything that happened this week, and nothing, everything pales in comparison. Nothing comes even anywhere close to getting Nick Booking 2.0 in the can <laughs> and done and past me, or behind me, I should say. Yes. <sighs> it will never be past me. I will bear the scars for the, for the rest of my life. But, yes. Uh, yeah. I, 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 was half, I was expecting that to be your moment of positivity as well, if I'm being honest. So well, I you stole it from me because you went first, yeah. so I can't use it as my moment of positivity. Right. But thanks, buddy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's a good one, and, and and I'm definitely happy to be through it as well. I'm actually gonna have to to uh, I'm gonna have to go actually for uh, the uh, Sammy Guevara Darby Allen match. I they had me with that with that uh, cross with the um, splash on the ladder. Like you, I was in, I was in with that. I yeah. jumped up. Um, either that or or Wardlow's finisher looked just awesome. One of those would have to be mine this week. Um. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that uh, I have. I have one more higher. that I'll throw in before we jump into the finale here. Okay, Ezemi's booby prized from from Mania arrived yesterday. Oh, is it? Was it, was it there? <sighs> yes. The uh, the final components are final assembled, component right. and now it I just my... needs to be put together and yes. shipped off. So yes. it's coming, and you will not see this coming. <laughs> uh, if, in case you don't I'm know, I'm very proud about, of this one, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we do four times a year at the Big Four pay per view. We do do a uh, little patrons pickums challenge, and uh, if you come in dead last, you still get a prize because we love everyone who participates. And this last time, it was our lovely listener Esme who will be getting said booby prize shortly, and uh, it's a good one. Yes, it's a, it's a it's a fun one, and also the rest of the prizes will be mailed out as well. Yes, not we're not concentrating on that one. We got uh, a lot of stuff. Were- to- there were some logistical difficulties, Instacart, uh, for getting certain pieces, uh, but it will be on the way shortly, as well as all of the stickers and our grand prize to our champion, Robbie RB. Mm-hmm. We'll be going out. Yes. So, uh, yeah, there you go, guys. There's our show. Oh, but we're not done just yet. Oh, God. We've got just enough time for our other news lightning round. Beep, 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 beep. All right, a quick little note of the ratings. AEW did 731,000 and a .25, rebounding from last week and dominating NXT, who had a 665,000 with a .18. Uh, 
Uh, NXT dropping off this week and AEW coming back strong. The big news story this week, though, however, is an uncomfortable one. I mentioned it earlier, and that is that Velveteen Dream is in a bit of hot water after being accused and having some pretty solid evidence show up that he may have sent nude pictures to a minor. Uh, it appears that he engaged with his actual Twitter DMs uh, with an actual minor and sent them not only nude pictures of himself, but also uh, voice. They have his voice. They have um, recordings of him asking this kid what school he goes to. Um, and before anyone, you know, that, that, that could mean middle school, elementary school. It could also mean college. Just throwing that out there because I am very much an innocent until proven guilty guy. The, the evidence does not look good right now, I'll admit. But uh, I'm going to let the authorities take this one. Dream has obviously vehemently denied all this. He said he was hacked. Uh, there are certainly in, inconsistencies in the story as well that need to be investigated. So we will see how WWE handles this if they take him off TV until this is all sorted out. Uh, if he was able to present evidence to WWE that he was indeed hacked and they keep him on TV. Um, but this is definitely a scary moment for a guy who could... Uh, we've always said is a future main eventer of the entire company. So this is a, a scary moment where that guy's entire career could be gone Yep. right now. Um, so fingers crossed this was a, a bad faith actor and, and Velveteen Dream is not the, uh, the, the monster that it looks like he may actually be. Uh, in other news, AEW is going to tape more episodes in Jacksonville on the 6th of May. Uh, they'll be taping two weeks worth. May 6th uh, will be live, and then the 13th will be taped after the May 6th live show. So two weeks of shows they're going to tape, and then they'll do the same thing on May 20th. Uh, Double or Nothing, however, will be a live pay-per-view on May 23rd. Wow. Still in Vegas? Uh, I believe that will also be in Jacksonville. Oh, okay. Yeah, fortunately. Whoa! Well, while we're at a little stopping point, Esmeralda... Yes. As me with $50 super chat oh, to refill the bar. Thank nice. you for all you guys do. Thank you, Esme. It's very sweet of you. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, maybe go uh, get a little more tequila over there. Uh, let's see. Yeah, you there drank we it be... all yesterday. <laughs> uh, no, I, dr I drank it the other day when we had the, the big tip day. Yeah. I haven't, re I haven't restocked since then. Uh, WWE has confirmed there will be no WWE 2K21. Uh, our boy, Ross on Rasslin, celebrated on Twitter saying, uh, good news, there will, be no, uh, there will be no 2K21. He got dragged for this uh, by an ex-WWE ref and as well as Hurricane Helms and Jeff Cobb, who all came down to him and said, that's kind of a dick thing to say because think how many people are unemployed or not going to be getting a payday because that's not there. Uh, a lot of people pointing out that Ross was being sarcastic. But uh, yeah. Stay, stay strong, Ross. I'm sorry, brother. We know what you meant. Yep. Um, the uh, quarter one business call happened. So now uh, everyone who's invested in WWE got to hear how the business was, was for the first quarter of the year, Nick. Uh, surprisingly strong. They, uh, not, actually, I guess not surprisingly that they would try to paint themselves as being strong. The first, you know, for the first quarter was before all this happened. So they were able to say, like, look how great we are. Don't sell your stocks. And the stocks actually did go up after the quarterly call. 
Uh, you actually listened to the call, Nick. What were the big takeaways that you that you uh, that you had from it? Mostly that the the entire stock market dropped. The Dow Jones dropped ten thousand points in a matter of a week. We had a huge <laughs> crash. Uh, WWE and everybody else was part of that. They all went tanking down. WWE dropped from sixty to seventy dollars a share down to thirty five ish. Uh, and we saw, based on these quarterly numbers, mostly the big takeaway was that, uh, yes, they did they did trim a lot of fat, so to speak. That's a very not nice way to say it, um, but that's my short version. Yeah. They, they did trim some excess uh, in, their, in their roster and in their full-time employees. That's going to help the numbers look better uh, because it cuts off of accruals and payouts and things like that. But the big takeaway is how well two nights of WrestleMania performed, what it did for merch sales, what it did for ratings, what it did for network signups, all of that. Almost a billion combined social media impressions over the course of the two nights was a Oof. massive, massive get for them. So they were the talk of the town that weekend between uh, the, the tombst- Tombstone Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse match, among other things that happened over that weekend and just the kind of blind curiosity to see if they could pull it off. And they did with, yeah. with in spades. So that's a great news that the thing to, the big thing to look into is what is quarter Q2 going to look like? Because after making all the changes, after coming off of Q1, uh, the markets closed on Friday with them up 15% back up to the $45 uh, price point. So and year year over year, the quarter was better than last year's. So they're yeah. they they were able to keep themselves looking strong at least. Um, he uh, Vince said that going forward, he he admits the ratings are a little bit down, but that uh, you're going to take that he's going to take advantage of this challenging environment and try to make it special. They're going to actually continue to make those many movies um, and make more compelling content. They've rejiggered things, created a new model for generating content. Um, they also he, they they said that if Florida does get shut down, they can't do it in Florida. He's got several states that are willing to welcome them yeah. if Florida ceases to be an option to to uh, to work in. They've um, had time to find other options now at this point. Yeah, Saudi Arabia might happen November December, but they can't go back until then. They're just going to tack on all the events they missed to the end of their contract, so that's all set up. Um, and uh, he doesn't. They don't know what live audience is going to be or what it's even going to be when it comes back. They said they want to be on the forefront. Of whatever, whatever it is, if basically if it's going to happen with an audience, WWE is going to be the first one to do it, which sounds like a lot of bravado, but also sounds very dangerous for them. That's going to be a lot, yeah. uh, might be hit or miss. Um, and uh, he's also, they also said that the testing is uh, quote everything imaginable. They have a sequestered hotel. They monitor everybody. They got forms and stuff. So uh, they even have a, an external company that they got for specific cleaning and coding service services so um they, and they did actually do a good job of putting over the talent too and saying they're working through some tough stuff and we understand all this stuff so uh so yeah it was a very positive quarterly meeting as you said nick the next quarter is gonna be the one that really tells the tale yep. of the tape uh speaking of financial stuff xfl still getting pulled apart by banks bankruptcy one of the things that came out was that vince mcmahon in the weeks before the xfl going under personally loaned the XFL a large sum of money to be able to pay their payroll. What that means is when he declared bankruptcy, he was the first creditor to be paid back as they pulled the company apart. So Vince took care of Vince when it comes to the XFL. Um, Let's see. Also, 
nothing any venture capitalist hasn't done before. Nope. That's, and, I, that, I, and I know that's ugly to say, and you guys want to jump straight down Vince's throat, but every single tech startup ever, Facebook is <laughs> right? a great example, before yep. they ever went public, the first ones to get paid out are the f- people that put the money in first, and that's written into that's right. contracts. Yep. Not the people that you hire like Oliver Luck. Right. Uh, Kerwin Sifflies. Silfies? Kerwin Silfies, excuse me. TV director for WWE, has been for most of the time since 1984. He was also part of the furloughing. He was also released. He's been around, again, since nearly nearly consistently since 1984. Uh, he was also let go quietly on the side. Uh, so curious to see if WWE... I, I think it's going to run without him at this point. It's, it's you know kind of on rails, but curious to see if we, if we notice any production changes now that their TV director of so many years is gone. Deanna Perazzo is back out on her own and is already shooting on WWE. She gave out a, a great interview that I don't have time to summarize here anymore, but she does say she wants to join AEW because she's got some good friends there. There's new opponents she's never had a chance to have a match with, and also because it's a great way to stick it to WWE, who she's particularly pissed as, at because she feels they never really gave her a shot. Uh, and every time that, And every time that she would complain and say, hey, I want to get a shot, I want to do some more things, they would actually give her more pushback. She felt like it was an environment where she couldn't stand up for herself, but it was an environment where you were rewarded for taking whatever the hell they gave you, even if that was a career on the sidelines. And she's not willing to do that, so she's glad she's back out creating her own opportunities again and kind of regrets going there in general. Uh, Cody has filed to trademark his own name. Cody Rhodes, which is a trademark that WWE had. Trademark is lapsing, so Cody's fine trying to file to get his own name back so he can use it. Uh, now that WWE is letting it lapse, so we'll see if Cody gets that one or if WWE tries to get it back again. Mm. Camille, if you watch NWA at all, Camille finally talked. She finally gave a promo. She had her first match, and she talked this week on NWA. This was promoted. And it's actually a good reason to watch it because they're doing a good job of building her up to be their Tessa Blanchard, their Charlotte. Her reasoning for not talking up until now um, it, I, is, I don't have time to go into it, but it's basically, it's some of the greatest like uh, character building stuff that I've seen for a female wrestler since like a Charlotte or a Tessa, like a top star level rationale. The idea being that she, you know, she, is, she wants you to take her at her merits and she doesn't need to talk to do that. She doesn't need to, she doesn't need to prove nothing to anybody. Um, you put this in so perspective, it's a good story. three years ago, she was a bodybuilder that was dating Braun Strowman. And Nick Aldis and, and David and everybody over there saw something and wanted to be in the, in the Camille business. And there is a lot of, another North Carolina girl, by the way, Durham, North Carolina, from right here in Raleigh. Um, there, there's, there's a lot of potential there with her. And a ton. I, I, I see it. The, the ceiling is very high. And if they, if they really do this right, she, I agree with you. She could be another massive figurehead and very young as well. So and lots she had of a great future. Great squash match here. She looked good. The promo was really strong. All of her rationale was there. They, co- they basically covered the potholes of all the storylines with her for the last few months, explained why she didn't talk, explained why she was hanging out with Nick Aldis, all of it, explained why she's in strictly business right now. Yep. Very good stuff. Check out NWA. It is over on YouTube. Um couple more things. Did you like the Boneyard match? Because if you did, WWE, shop.wwe.com is selling a plaque with dirt from the actual match. So if you want to commemorate the Boneyard match in your house, you can have dirt from the Boneyard match hanging on your wall. 
Is there any of AJ Styles' remains in it? <laughs> I probably, probably, you know, in there. But definitely, definitely Gallows and Anderson. Parts of them are scattered oh, in there as God. well. They're ashes and, from being torched by the Undertaker. <laughs> yes, and speaking of being torched, yesterday was the 20th anniversary of David Arquette winning the WCW Championship. Oh man! Yeah, we look back. We look back on it now with uh, with fun, like oh, yeah, that was wasn't that funny? But man, at the time, at the time, that was that was the death knell for WCW. Yep. Uh, just nice. By the way, there's um. There's a documentary coming out. I think it's called You Can't Kill David Arquette. And it looks amazing. And I yeah. can't wait to watch it. About There's this great social media wrestling. picture of him sitting outside the WWE offices right outside of Titan Towers in Stanford. Like, and it's kind of got everybody going, ooh. Yeah. So, yeah. that's the news, Nick. Well, thank you, Surrey and Dangerous, and thank you, everybody, for joining us today on this show. I'm going to wrap this up really quick so we can go over to our patron mailbag series. We're doing our next episode, number 29, for our AMA and our patron mailbag. Everybody's welcome to join us. Stick around. We will be doing it as a brand-new stream right here on YouTube, so we'll just do a quick refresh, start a brand-new stream, and get right into it. Make sure you're in our Facebook group. Just search for Busted Wide Open. Like our page and send us a request to get into the discussion group. Follow us over on Instagram and Twitter at BW podcast subscribe to us right here at youtube.com slash busted wide open where we stream every tuesday at 8 p.m eastern and every saturday at 3 p.m eastern followed immediately by our patron mailbag series yeah uh, where we answer all the questions from our five dollar and up patrons and if you want to get in on some of that head over to patreon.com slash bwo sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers the ten dollar tier is the bonus premium tier that's the best value tier where you want to be at because you get to hear Nick booking and a whole year and beyond of bonus episodes that come out every single month at that tier. So if you want to get in on some exclusives and join the phenomenal ones, patreon.com slash BWO. But my name is Nick Howell. You can find me over on Twitter at data center, dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God, somebody stop the damn match. This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.